0: The opinions expressed on the ACB media network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, JJ, are you here?
2: I am. For some reason, oh, you've there. got okay. two Christine Malik's logged in. So, you, oh, I mean, that's is
1: that what it was.
2: Two Christines <laughs> are better than a JJ and a Christine any day. I'll, t- I, I'll tell you. So untrue.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let me introduce you guys. Thank you. So we are just absolutely excited to have with us uh, Christine Malik and JJ Hunt from Talk Description to Me podcast. Christine is a writer, an editor, a researcher. She's a massage therapist. JJ is just an audio describer extraordinaire, having been doing this for 21 years in multiple venues and you know done over 1500 audio description projects together they have co-hosted talk description for what 68 episodes now 69 tomorrow tomorrow. 69 (laughs) tomorrow so they are here tonight to talk to us and um welcome we are so happy to have you
2: thank you thanks for having us
1: thank you this is great to be here so Do you guys want to just talk a little bit about the show and your backgrounds and how you got started and whatever you want to tell us? Go ahead.
3: (laughs) Sure. I can, um, I can talk about how the podcast got going. Um, I run a few different programs in the Toronto area where we're from Canada and Toronto and I run a few programs for blind adults. And when the pandemic started, i personally was very curious about the visuals of such unheard of things as masked people and empty streets and boarded up stores and things. And so I asked JJ if he would uh, attend a few of my programs just to answer questions and to describe things. And those went really well. And JJ kind of, you know, said, I think there's something here. And the more we thought about it and talked about it, we realized that there had been a real a very distinct gap in, uh, description and in the news for the blind and low vision community. Um, it's kind of assumed that, well, there's talking heads and there's lots of words. And so you're getting everything, but of course that's not true. And especially with social media, uh, Trading largely in images, uh, there's a lot in current events and the world around us that was not being described just because it didn't fit in the contexts of, you know, movies or TV shows or plays or image descriptions by themselves. And so we started um, thinking about the things in the news, in the media, in just what was going on in the world that could do with some background visuals. And at the time that we were doing this uh the george floyd uh video was very uh topical and current and many people were looking at it or choosing not to look at it and so we we took a big risk and we started with a very serious uh that very serious topic and that was really uh diving right in so since then our episodes Have covered a huge range of topics. So sometimes it's very serious and of the moment, and sometimes it's fun, frivolous things like dancing or different font styles or the academy awards or things like that um jj do you maybe want to talk about what it's been like for you because i know one of the things that i've been impressed when you talk about what this is like for you to do this kind of work uh in the sense that movies and tv they just go off into the void and you don't have like uh you know you don't get any response and so i think for you jj it's been really rewarding in that way
2: Absolutely. I I mean, having started 20 years ago in uh, describing movies and TV, especially back then, we would, you know, they were only it felt like only a handful of describers working in any in any one place. And so, you know, I I would describe my assigned movies or TV shows and I would uh, submit them to my producers and they would go out over the airwaves, maybe and maybe they would be picked up because the signal might be bounced off the right towers and maybe it would find its way to a tv station and maybe the people who wanted to be listening to it were able to access the sap on the you know there were a whole lot of maybes and and then that would be it and i would really very rarely as a as a writer or narrator of of those description tracks i wouldn't have much interaction with the people who were using the the description who were taking part in it and it was it was always the the one kind of sadness for me in in this job. I've loved being a describer from the very beginning. I've loved narrating right from the start but the but the the lack of opportunity for for connection with the people that I'm working for ultimately Um, that that was a real, uh, uh, that was a real downer. And, you know, that's gotten much better just that on its own has gotten much better because of social media and Facebook groups and, and the way we can connect on Twitter with audio description hashtags. Now consumers of description, creators of description and user creators can all, you know, have a conversation together, which is fantastic. But, this podcast, the Talk Description to Me podcast, is really, from, from a describer point of view, has just enabled a conversation about what kind of description is is helpful, what's useful, what's interesting, what's new, what gaps are missing, you know, or what need to be filled in. And so, you know, these days we have conversations with people over email or on Twitter where folks will send in a request and, and that request will... It will jog a, a whole new vein for us. It's like, Oh yeah, never even thought about that. And then we'll have conversation about it. Maybe we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a, a, an email back and forth with the people who have requested it. And from a, from my point of view, as a, as a person who's writing this stuff, it's no longer just floating out into the void. It's now I I feel like I'm part of the community that I'm working with and I'm working for. And, uh, and it's, it's honestly been, you know, Chris and I often joke about how if, if we're having a rough work week and we both have other elements to our work life, other gigs that we're doing at any given point. Um, but you know, if, if, if I've got a really tough work week ahead and I got a lot of projects the one I procrastinate with, meaning the one I do so that I don't have to do the other work, is talk description to me. I will sit and I'll research a topic, maybe more than I need to, and I will you know, go for a walk and really try to noodle through, like, how do I get into this content? Because some of the topics we handle are... Some of them are straightforward, like, you know, we recently we've got an, uh, an episode coming out tomorrow that is on album covers and, you know, you can look at an image of an album cover and you can describe it. That's relatively straightforward. But if you've got something like dance, what's the way in? How do you get into that? So, you know, I'll, I'll take the excuse. I'll go for a walk and just try and come up with different ways in. It's been it's been really interesting. Chris, what are some of like what are some of the topics that we've covered that were things that kind of without the podcast you never would have had described uh like the the, the you know are <laughs> like because every of the episode. show
4: <laughs> <laughs> like
3: every episode well as it's interesting um the the uh, episode that's coming out tomorrow on album covers uh one of the ones that gets described is by Lizzo. And I'll just admit, in some ways, culturally, I live, on, I live under a rock. So I didn't know who Lizzo was. So I'm on a podcast. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, but I don't know who Lizzo is. And today, just on Jeopardy, the Lizzo was the answer to the <laughs> really? question. Totally. And then um, I to another one of the ones JJ described was uh, Maggot Brain by Funkadelic. Never heard of it. Never heard the album. Again, I acted all suave, like, hmm, wow, that, but I'd never heard of it. So today I listened to it on the treadmill. So those are just like cultural examples, but there are so many things. Um, I'm trying to think. You mentioned the dance episode. That one was, I still think about it because I felt that that was really hard and I yeah. still feel like I'm missing something. And so some things like clothing or most things like, say, clothing or, Mm, this the the literal things in the everyday world like changing the fall you know kids and masks things we've talked about in the real world they're 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 pretty pretty straightforward but then we talk about some more abstract things um that i have a million questions and uh it gives jg the opportunity to and to to do something that a describer doesn't usually get to do which is give a a sense of what it's like to look mm. at the thing not just what does the thing look like but it I, I think we really got i guess this kind of comes up in every episode but ones that stand out for me are con the astronomy related ones like the northern lights or constellations because part of the looking process is the reaction and mm. so just describing a, a sky with spots on it like that's all you have time for in a movie or a TV show, but I'm always kind of curious about around stuff around the edges. And one of them being, can, can you talk about what's the emotional impact of looking at something? Uh, and, and so, and some of the iconic images. So I actually think there should be a talk description to me drinking game and <laughs> that the, the, the rules are you have to drink every time one of us use the word, use the word iconic because we use it a lot (laughs) in the, in the episode that's coming tomorrow, uh, JJ described the uh, image of Ziggy Stardust, uh, David Bowie's alter ego, as uh, he described it. And, He described it as iconic. I'd never heard of it. I I knew Ziggy Stardust was a character. I had no idea. But apparently, David Bowie's own face gets taken out of the image and replaced by other people. And people still know it's Ziggy Stardust. So there's a whole visual language uh, that we draw on, that popular culture draws on. Uh, that we, uh, if you're blind or low vision, you just don't have any, uh, any, any sense of, you can wind us up and we'll talk all night, but if someone has questions, um, I don't know how to handle that, but if anyone has questions for us, please, um, please raise your hand or let your make yourself known. Um, can I talk about the funniest episode we did though? It was, uh, we went through a car wash. We went. Yeah. We had binaural mics, which means that you get stereo sound, and this was a bit of a dream episode for me. Um, I wanted to take binaural mics through a, a car wash, but I also wanted a description of what was going on. So you can't have both at the same time because that would spoil it. So what we did is, we uh, JJ did his research, which is one of his superpowers, and so he found the ultimate car wash. I didn't know place like this places like this existed. It's literally called the Auto Spa. <laughs> that's really what it's called. And so it's it's a spa. It, they the cars have a spa day uh there. So we went and uh the the staff were amazing. They got gui- they gave us a guided tour. They were so supportive of what we were doing. We got lots of information. Then we stood in front of the window because there's a window wall and JJ described the progress of a vehicle through the auto spa. And then we got in the car with the binaural mics and drove through in respectful silence and got audio binaural audio of the, um, of the car wash. It was spectacular. It was really great. JJ, what's, do you have a favorite episode? We haven't actually asked each other this question
2: for a while. Jeez. No. You know, I, 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 that it's hard to beat that one. I mean, when we were, <laughs> when we were researching that one and, and, and on site, they actually let us, it's, it, it's a two lane car wash. It's massive. And so there are two separate lanes, uh, like tunnels basically side by side that the cars go through. And between them is a little, Wet, but not soaking wet aisle. And they actually let us walk down that aisle. I was and pretty Check awesome. out, oh my God. <laughs> so we got awesome. like suds and spray coming at our, our feet. Shoes and and yeah, feet. our shoes had never been cleaner. I mean, they were yeah, squeaky clean. It was amazing. But that was pretty good. And you know, it's funny, we've talked about the dance one a lot, and I've got some of the same feelings as you. It's, it's a favorite of mine, not because I feel like we nailed it, but in fact, because I feel like we didn't.
5: Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Exactly. And
2: I appreciate that, that we, we tried something that was really hard. And we tried to summarize dance, like capital D dance, all of them in a half an hour episode, which is an impossible task. But we tried to move the ball forward on that a little bit and, (laughs) you know, see what we could come up with. And some of it worked and some of it landed and we got some positive response. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. that anyone, you know, complained or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, told us it stank or anything, but I felt like you know what we reached a little bit and mm-hmm. uh and, and and i liked that i was i was appreciative of that uh and then there are some others i really liked the uh, stuck in the suez canal episode i really enjoyed that one uh, that was too. one where it was it was a great mix like i've got favorite episodes when when we have conversation cuz some episodes are more they tend to lean to m- a little bit more toward the research and and um and descriptions that I've I've written out in advance, or at least taken notes on. Uh, nothing's fully written in advance, and then uh, and some of our episodes are are more strictly conversational with Christine asking questions, and so that one I think was a really good balance of 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 the research and the questions, and I think that we we nailed a few of the key images of that event, and it was absolutely of the moment and i feel it was one of those things that it was going on in the world and if you were blind or low vision you genuinely might not have had the sense of exactly the 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 scale of the situation or exactly what that looked like because you know checking out the news footage checking out the social media posts there were images associated with everything there was vo- video footage associated with everything but news anchors and store and news storytellers traditionally just presume that you can see that and they will then talk about it uh like commentators not describers of course so i really liked that episode i thought that was a uh that was a favorite one i think uh, uh of mine um, me
3: too and part of the reason was um the mapping i, I there were so yeah. many things that stuck out for me but um i liked that we we talked through the route that cargo ships traditionally take so we you know following uh I can't picture it in my head now, but up the coast of Africa and through to the Mediterranean. And uh, I thought that was really cool to, because to, I have some knowledge, like I, I own a globe and I've made a point to try and learn. So I have some, but I, it's one of those things where uh, I, I'm hoping that it landed well for someone else uh, mm-hmm. who who maybe yeah was was working on the geography as I still do. And that episode gave us JJ's immortal phrase. He was describing the what it looked like in a satellite image, and he said it looked like a toothpick stuck in a windpipe. <laughs> <laughs> Try to forget that phrase. Try to forget that phrase. Not uh, not gonna happen. So a lot of our episodes come like some of them come out of things like that that are happening in the moment that and we have kind of a set of criteria for things that are happening in the moment that we think are good good subjects and ones that aren't gonna gonna land so well but the, they are our episodes also come from um ideas just that float by and we're, we're often texting each other at random times like hey what about this what about that so actually I just sent a an email to JJ this afternoon about robot wars and so I'm hopeful that uh, we're going to have an episode that at least includes if not dominated by a robot fight so I really want I really want to know about these I'm not I'm, I'm working through why I'm preoccupied I've got some ideas about why I'm preoccupied with rope but that's a topic for another time um, got, so JJ is very accommodating he's very nice So I come up with these quirky things and he just keeps saying yes so I, I feel very lucky to be in the position to be able to choose topics but as JJ said we we get lots of suggestions from uh, from from listeners and just talking to blind friends and and uh, there's so there's so much in the world to be described and mm. uh, and more all the time JJ where yeah. do ideas
6: come from from for you like
2: oh well I mean I- I'm constantly walking around in the world uh, and 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 looking at things and trying to figure out the hows and the whys. Like, how did this come to be? Why Why is this the way it, it unfolded? And because I'm a describer, a lot of that is, and what are my visual cues? How do I know that? How can I figure that out visually? Because if I can figure out why I know something visually, then that's pr- probably a pretty good indication that there are there there might be a gap there because if I figured it out visually and someone is not interpreting the world visually, then maybe I've got access to information that other people don't have. So I've got some ideas and I throw them out there. I put my, my ideas go on the list too. But one of the things that's always been key to our podcast is that I'm not ultimately the idea guy. That's not my gig. Um, The world is already full enough of, Frankly, middle-aged white guys like me uh, who say, "Oh, here's how. Here's what everyone should know," and 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 here's here's the information I have, and I'm going to just let everyone else know that. And especially in the uh, in the accessibility community, we've got too many people who are, um, you know, too many describers who think they're the ones who who know what should be described and what shouldn't. And we've we've been pretty clear that that the The driving force of the show is christine 's curiosity and the audience's curiosity. They ask the questions they they filter through Chris and because Christine knows that 's her lived experience, the audience knows it 's their lived experience, and so i 'm happy to answer questions and i 'm yeah. happy to 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 add my input whenever I think it 's appropriate. But it's not for me, I think, to be the primary one to say, oh, this is what we should cover next. I'm happy to add some things to the list, but uh, I very much trust Christine to not only say yay or nay on on an episode topic, but after we've recorded... then the episode goes to Chris and she's the one who edits the show and, and does all the final production. So Christine can say that this part of our conversation was less interesting or this part had a, had, a, had a lot going on that I truly did not know about. And so then that gets put in. And that's key for us is that, is that, it, that, that it goes through Christine. She's the, it's, it, her curiosity is really the driving force of the show.
3: There's this funny thing that happens when something very serious and and difficult happens. Um, it's happened about three or four times in yeah. the exact same pattern, which is the thing will happen and a day or two will go by and one of us will text the other and say, we should probably cover this. And the person, the second person texts back and says, yeah, I know. I've just been like procrastinating and trying to not think about it because some of our episodes are really difficult. Um, and I'm pretty thin skinned. I wear my heart on my sleeve and, uh, JJ has to talk through some really disturbing things that we've, that we've covered. And so we, we both kind of keep a balance between what we feel needs to be described and needs to be talked about and what we can actually do, um, And uh, JJ, can you talk about the phenomenon of looking at something versus describing it, and that the you know peeking through it? Yeah, it's very vivid.
2: Yeah, there's there's a funny thing that happens with description. You know, if you if you are a sighted viewer of uh, an example we often give, if you're a sighted viewer and you're watching a horror movie and something's coming on that's that's gonna scare you, you can you can turn away, you can half cover your eyes, you can peek at it. Um, and and just let a little bit through. And that's very difficult to do either when you're describing or when you're listening to audio description. Because if you're listening to description, turning down the volume doesn't really do the same thing. You're either in it or you're not. And when you're describing something that can be subtle in a visual, if you state it out loud in a description, if you just say it, it's. It tends to be much more harsh. It lands in a in a heavy way, and so we 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 do try and we try and be aware of that when we're doing the work, and also when you know for for me as well when I'm actually doing the description. I'm sitting down to watch difficult content or to watch. Uh, you know, there are days where we have to cover important pieces of material that are that are awful that that none of us want to sit through and we don't want to spend our time with, but they're important. And frankly, you know, we've often talked about this. If, if it's important that it's out in the world, we don't necessarily think that every listener has to listen to every episode. If there's an episode that that where the material is just not what someone is up to that day, or it's, you know, it, it's it's not something that they really feel like they want to engage with. That's totally fine with us we would still like that content to be available we still want those images to be available to everyone and then it's a listener's choice whether they whether they decide that's that's a subject they're going to they're going to log on to and they're and they're going to listen to or not and that's that's totally fine that's up to them and we we just think it's the having the option there is what's of primary importance in those moments so you know that we have covered things like the uh, the Beirut explosion. Um, we went back and, and took a look at um, at the visuals of September 11th. Um, the George Floyd uh, video, as Chris said off the top, was our first episode. So you know we've done our best. And then, frankly, things like climate change, which is a, a big, big, broad topic, but when you start breaking down some of the visuals of climate change, it can be a uh, it can be pretty emotional. And so, you know, when we're recording those episodes, we we take our deep breaths and we try and treat each other well, and uh, and then and make sure that we're putting out, uh, w- you know, when we're when we're releasing those episodes, we try and make sure that the audience knows what's coming, um, so that we don't surprise anyone, uh, and then we we leave that out in the world so that if if people want that content, they can have it, and if if it's if it's not for them, that's fine too. Yeah.
3: When we started this. I never thought of I don't know why but the word journalism just did not enter my awareness and it wasn't until we were quite well into it that it the the word sort of started floating to the top and um so now I kind of think about it as accessible journalism and when I think about it in that way it makes me more aware of, of some of the subtleties that I hadn't considered uh in the beginning when we first started and one of those uh, things is neutrality. And it's something that JJ and I talked about uh, right at the beginning. And it's an ongoing topic for us yeah. as well, because uh, no, no one's, no one's neutral. No journalist is neutral. We, JJ and I choose what we cover and we choose how we talk about it, but we work really hard at a certain type of neutrality. And so sometimes I'll ask JJ, what does it feel like? But I only ask that when it's like the Northern Lights <laughs> or constellations yeah. or the moon or something um when we talk about harder more complex topics so for example um we we did an episode on editorial cartoons and jj i mm-hmm. thought you did a great job of picking ones from both sides of the whatever the issue was um did you ever think about us as journalism
2: I can't even yeah. say the word journalist. Like it just feels weird. <laughs> but- it is strange. Yeah, I mean, we we overlap with the journalism. I certainly feel like like there's there are there are days when we have to think like journalists, and I think there are days when we have to carry ourselves like journalists. But I I'm with you. It's hard to it's hard to apply the 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 title of journalist to me I find that weird and I'm I'm sure you find that like that that would be odd it's funny that the the editorial cartoons one is one that I'm often reminded of because of my um because of my google searches (laughs) so because of that episode and others like it where I have to I'm trying to get content from all across the political spectrum and I'm so I'm I'm finding images and I'm finding editorial cartoons from the right, from the left, from on every side of every issue. And so uh, my Google search engine is is all across the board. It's all over the map. And and so it doesn't know what to make of me. Google doesn't know what to make of me. So now the the products that I'm offered are pretty out there. And the ads that I get are for the right and the left. And I get some terrible, terrible things sent to me and and just awful political stuff on the far right and the far left that are just like, I can't even believe this stuff is out there. In a way, it's, uh, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting access to content that is outside my bubble because of that, because I've gone out of my way to seek it out. I now get, way far outside of what would be my personal bubble if it was just my own facebook page or you know uh so i I don't know for better or worse (laughs) that's that's the way that goes for me but i am curious if it it, just a just a reminder if anyone does have any questions um you know please raise your hand and if and and maybe one of the the moderators uh if 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 you want to uh help support with that that would be totally cool great i see tony uh has a question uh i'm not sure if i'm uh uh able to be the one to unmute you but you're unmuted tony
7: yes yes (laughs) um i have more comments than questions please Uh, first of all i'm so moved by so many of the episodes uh in particular the 9-11 images i thought i had had enough of 9-11 and uh image of the falling man was something that i i didn't know anything about or Mm -hmm. i I really didn't Mm -hmm. and so what i find is that your episodes require me to be in a different mood i have to be open to listening because it's not a casual listen and then sometimes i'm so moved um as a kid i saw colors and so uh, when you did the episode on the northern lights or and fireworks, I was left with a head full of colors afterwards. <gasps> and,
3: oh, I'm hugging myself. Oh, <laughs> thank you for saying that. That's oh, lovely. That, that, uh, <laughs> that, uh,
7: those episodes meant so much to me. <laughs> oh, and,
3: that's so rewarding. Thank you. Tony. Thank you.
7: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I would say that I don't know that it, I would call it journalism. It fills in a gap that's deeper than, than journalism. It's a world, obviously, I've lived a long life without the need to know some of these things. But then when I listen to them, I think I really didn't know anything about that. And it, it fills in such a void and I want to remind everyone that if if you don't have a computer, some of you are calling in on the phone, it's available on your Echo. And all you need to do is ask her to play Talk Description to Me podcast, and she'll play it. And the last thing that I want to say is, yeah, it's evident that you do a lot of work, but it flows, so it doesn't feel like research it just feels like uh, friends telling you about the world that you you weren't aware of and i, I thank
2: you for that
6: oh
3: that
2: makes uh, me very
6: happy wow thank you
2: thank so you much. so much yeah well, thank you okay
6: we, we have a hand raised by
8: area code 510
9: uh jj yes. is your podcast called uh
2: talk description to me that's right talk because- description to me <laughs>
9: yeah, and there's stuff about my microphones I'm really interested in because a lot of the 3D audio stuff I, I've done, um, I've listened to, not all of it, but most of it um is horror related and only things like Sky Bay Productions <gasps> do adventure stuff, which I think oh. is pretty cool.
3: Oh, yeah, there's some video <laughs> games that use it, I think.
9: Yeah, yeah. So the so the point I'm trying to make is if I can, you know, I'm I'm gonna take a look in, into this because if I can actually hear what a car wash sounds like in both my ears, that, <laughs> that would be cool.
3: Well, I'll give you By another way, tip. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
9: Yeah, what what kind of microphones do you use? Do you use the uh, Ambio uh, headsets, or do you use um, the uh...
3: No? If you listed a bunch, I might recognize the word. <laughs> I don't know. My partner bought them mm. for me. Sorry. <laughs> sorry i don't know, but <laughs> I, I was going to say about the binaural um yeah, I love to experiment with those and uh in the for the month of August we actually changed our normally our podcast didn't broadcast in stereo which we didn't know until we posted the car wash episode and someone said uh by the way it's in mono and we're like ah, no and so for a month we purchased the ability to post in stereo and so the August episodes all have little easter eggs in them so for example uh JJ oh we did an episode on insects yeah, which was creepy and weird but I had a little fun by putting some mosquito noises and bug noises that are in stereo going back and forth. And uh, there was one about cottage life. So there's some birds flying around. So I would, I would direct you particularly. Normally our podcast does not have these, this element of binaural sound. Uh, But for the month of August, check out our episodes on those topics because uh, they have a few. I'll do that. I'll do that.
9: Because I'm really into binaural audio and 3d audio and stuff. It is without a doubt, the coolest thing. Totally. I know.
4: You
3: know,
9: I I just love binaural stuff.
3: Me too. It's fun. JJ,
9: thanks for bringing this to my attention. I really
2: appreciate it. Awesome. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Gotta go. Thanks. (laughs) I it's so moved by uh, Tony's comments. They're just so lovely. And this is one of the things that um, that we've learned since starting the podcast is we had one idea of what we were doing. We were going to describe things so that people would. Uh, have an understanding of the visuals of, of new events and of things that are going on around in the world. But one of the things we hadn't or I hadn't anticipated, I'm not sure if Christine had, but this idea that, of course, different people have different relationships with sight and with visual memory and all of those things. And so what we've learned is that some people are using these episodes almost it's a very visual metaphor, but like photo albums, you know, they're able to listen to descriptions. We heard this about, we've heard this about the fireworks episode and descriptions of fourth of July things. And we've heard people say, yeah, you know, I got to, think back to things that from my childhood, I had seen, and I hadn't thought about the visuals of those for a long time, or colors in general, you know, I, that's a, it, it's its a, it's a, a visiting of a, of a visual memory, as opposed to just n- getting a, a new piece of information. And then there are other funny little things that come up, like, one I go to all the time, we were describing sports in the Covid era and i was talking about this was very early in the pandemic when baseball was just starting up again and i i thought it was hilarious the way uh you, you know when there was a, a coach umpire fight and the and you know normally the you know the the, the manager j- comes out of the dugout and starts bumping chests with them with the umpire and they couldn't bump chests and so they were standing five feet apart anyway that cracked me up and i wanted to describe that and as part of that description i talked about the fact that the managers in baseball wear uniforms like the players, which is unusual in sports. Uh, you know, in, in hockey, you don't have someone; that the coach doesn't sit on the bench in hockey uniform. They wear a suit, but in baseball, the, you know, they wear the, they wear the uniform of the players. And we had a couple of people email in and say, I had no idea. That was a totally new piece of information, but that information is going to carry forward with them forever. So now every time they're listening to a ball game on the, on the radio, when they hear that the manager's coming out to argue a call, now they know. Now they've got a new piece of information. So it wasn't just, it's not just about news. It's these other little things that get filled in as well. And I had no idea. Uh, you know, I, a wonderful realization that, uh, that this content was landing in different ways for, for different people. Uh, just wonderful. God, what a bonus.
3: Yeah, I never, I didn't anticipate that either. Although I do try to keep in mind, because I've never seen color. So I'm always trying to remember to, uh, you know, to to think, think about others when, <laughs> when I'm asking questions. Um, I don't know why I'm I'm thinking about the postal machine. That one's kind of stuck in my head now, like something I had no idea of before, this like room-sized behemoth mechanism with, it sounds like a Rube Goldberg machine, like just (laughs) pointlessly detailed and uh, rollers and like something out of steampunk or something, but it's real.
2: (laughs) That was a funny one. It was was, a funny one. Yeah, because that was one where the, um, it was, you know, the Postal, Uh, equipment was in the news as you know as the uh, last election was was ramping up Uh, and all of these visuals of postal machines were in the background it was the b-roll behind every news anchor for a week and a half but no one ever actually talked about it it was just always the visual so every sighted person had these machines rolling by constantly uh, you know as a talking head would go about their business and we thought, and that was one where I said, "Hey, maybe we should do an episode on that." And Christine said, "I have no idea what you're talking about." So yes, <laughs> probably we should do an episode <laughs> yep, yep. on
10: that. <laughs> clearly, clearly we should.
5: <laughs> oh, Trudy
10: has
8: her. Oh, I'm oh sorry. Well, me. no, no, Trudy. Go ahead. Trudy has her hand raised. Hi,
10: I am just. I'm so moved by the the things that you guys present. Um, this is just so impressive, and I, I won't reiterate all the things that Tony said, but I fully agree with everything. I have not heard all of the episodes yet, but I—I I just things that I not only did not know I didn't know, but yeah. things I didn't think I cared about, such Ooh. as such as soccer. <laughs> um,
3: JJ can make anything entertaining, right? I would say entertaining <laughs> too. Which other? One? I'm true. curious. What other things?
10: Um, fireworks. Mm -hmm. Um, I have always, I've had a little bit of vision, but never very much color vision. And I've had vague descriptions of fireworks and mostly when I hear them outside, you know, I just, Oh, that again, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know, what is this with these people and their fireworks insanity, (laughs) you know, like everybody (laughs) just loves fireworks since that description. Um, at least when I hear them now, I have some sense of what people are so, you know, what's so enjoyable about them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, nice. mm-hmm. Lovely. And I, I just, you guys are so insightful and so, so wonderful. Please keep doing what you're doing. And I would love to know what pictures the four people in outer space right now are sending back. <gasps> Me oh. too. <laughs> <laughs> And they're all amateurs up there. I can't imagine what it's like there. Oh, ooh, feeling that, you know, who's exciting. in charge? What if something uh, happened up who here? Who is in
3: charge? I'm confused about that whole well, thing. Well, there <laughs> doesn't seem to be anyone. I know. It's so I anarchistic. Know, yeah, <laughs> I would love to know more about that. Yeah, JJ, have you seen any? Oh, sorry. Gosh, I'm so excited. That's about- okay. Go
2: ahead. <laughs> I have I don't I don't have any images up in front of me, but that's exactly the kind of thing that that's now going on the list, right? That right? that yeah, kind yeah, of comment say that like, they
10: sent yeah. pictures yeah. back from their first day, which their first, first full day was yesterday. La-la-la-la. Oh yeah, yeah. okay, oh, definitely. Yeah.
2: You're list. talking Christine's language here. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um,
10: <laughs> I like anything about outer space and and um ocean um mm. you know the depths of the oceans, things that they've been able to film. We and just recorded a one
3: cool on underwater. Sorry. It's okay. We just recorded one about underwater, so it'll be coming out soon. Oh, uh, okay. Diving and scuba and stuff. I'm sorry I interrupted you, though. It's
10: okay. One thing I always thought would be cool to know, um, there's a show on the History Channel, actually, which is is strange for it to be on, but the one about ancient aliens. Mm -hmm. Mm, I've Uh, heard about that. Some of the footage that they have, apparently there is footage about uh, vehicles that have been found uh, bodies that have been recovered and things like that now some of it, i guess has been debunked i don't know how much of it is true um interesting. but it would be interesting to know what some of that stuff looks like Ooh. Yeah, are you taking notes it. jj i am some I've of that scribbling stuff- away, yeah.
3: <laughs> some of it is like aerial views of things that on the ground don't Strike you as anything, but when you look at it from above, yeah. you're like, "Whoa, that's a that's a duck," or I don't know something that you only see was f- recognizable yeah. from high up. I'd love yeah. to know more about that too.
2: Yeah. Oh, really interesting anyway, stuff. I'll let somebody
3: oh. else
10: talk. Thank you.
3: Thank so you, much. Trudy. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, juicy. Thank you. <laughs> and truly, we do.
2: We did just record an episode on underwater, and it was a, it was a, you know largely about the experience of scuba diving and Ooh, uh, and, and that and you know trying to describe some sea creatures which gets i mean they're so wacky it it, <laughs> it, it was hard to s- try and summarize some of these deep <laughs> vent creatures. he couldn't even say like,
3: it looks like there was no, no th- similes at all
2: <laughs> there's nothing there's no oh. it looks like i mean the only thing it looks like is uh y- aliens because a lot of these things like science we don't fiction. Yeah, yeah science fiction stuff that's that's all oh, i, I had wait. so yeah wait, so yeah. Yeah. I, I will look for you. that
8: thank Beautiful. you thank you
10: <laughs> thanks <laughs> Okay,
8: now a telephone number with
11: area code 215. Hi, good evening. This is Pam Shaw. I live in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. And I have more of a personal question. Um, Some of the episodes have been so moving for me as a listener that they had to be a challenge to you. And I'm wondering, what do you do for self-care? What do you do to avoid burnout? and oh. things of that nature. So I'd just oh. like to know that. Thank you.
3: Oh my gosh, what a sweet question! Yeah. Um, well, we should each answer that because, yeah, uh, yeah um, we are very careful, like very caring of each other. So there's been times where, in the middle of recording, one of us just needs to stop, and we're we're completely like, yeah, do what you need. And it's a it's actually a horrible moment in many ways because we we record from our own spaces and in the pre-covid times we would have would have just taken it for granted that we'd be in the same physical space so knowing that someone you care about is distressed and you can't you're virtually yeah you're just it's awkward and and strange but we give each other time within an episode if if we need it and um um yeah it's not it's it's hard it's a good question i don't know i don't know sometimes i'll go for a walk. I kind of hope yeah. my schedule is maybe clear after a recording time so that I have time to just go have a little lie down or a little time out or, or something like that. But it's um I used to be someone who buried their head in the sand when it came to the news. I genuinely for about 10 years and it, probably before we started pre COVID, I would say I was very much a news avoidant. Uh, I found it just too disturbing. And I just tried to pay attention to what I could affect otherwise I, so but doing the podcast I'm steeped now in in the news so it is it's been an adjustment and uh emotionally that's very sweet of you and sensitive of you to ask that because yeah some of our episodes have been have been really hard so yeah. uh, I don't yeah, know yeah. JJ can you add to
2: that yeah I mean I I first of all just to, I really do appreciate the, the the question it is so lovely and caring so thank you <clears throat> um I for me I I also go for walks, uh, which helps afterwards. I gotta clear clear my head a little bit. One of the things that helps is leading up to the when before we hit record on any episode, Chris and I chat for forty five minutes every time. And it doesn't matter if it's a tough episode, a fun episode. It doesn't matter. We talk, and so leading up with the conversation, kind of it helps just to, to, to get me ready to get me to set for, uh, for dealing with some of the more challenging content. And then having a friend to, to talk through this content with, you know, if, if this was just me recording descriptions on my own and not having Christine to, Talk to about these things, and to know that even though we're not in the same space, we're on the same call, and we're 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 in it together. Having a friend to do it with is <clears throat> um, really helpful. Uh, and then and then, tr- you know, it's the deep breaths, it's the walk, and it's the trying to move forward. And this is one thing about being a describer, especially of this kind of content there's always another project. There's always the next week. There's always the next episode. And so doing my best to, um, to, to give those difficult topics, their space and dedicate myself to the (coughs) understanding of those images and the description of those images, and then trying not to let them settle in and moving on and giving the next topic, the same kind of respect Uh, that's helpful too. But truly, thank you for the question. It's very much appreciated.
3: I would also like to add, oh, sorry, I just want to add to that, that I know know this is true for JJ too, that part of what makes it okay is knowing how important it is. And so it's like that, like I described earlier, where we procrastinate for a day and then one person texts and we should talk about this, right? And the other says, yes, I know we should. And so the reason we get Um, the reason that you know we say yes we should is because we know it's important and and for me I know personally what it's like to have access to have a choice am I going to know what's on the George Floyd video or am I going to choose not to take it in because that's a choice sighted people have and I we both feel it's so important that the blind and low vision community should have that choice. Like JJ said, if the episode is not one that you're ready for or that you don't want to listen to, then then you don't. But if you are okay to know some information or if you want to know that difficult <coughs> content that's part of the public conversation, we hope that we're giving you an, an option that was not there before. And that knowing that that is true is a huge part of how, so cool. how we process difficult stuff.
12: Carla Hayes has her hand up.
1: And I think this will probably be our last question. Okay,
8: Carla, you can go ahead and
13: unmute. This is very fascinating. And I echo, I'd like to hear some things about outer space. <laughs> I was wondered if the astronauts, when they were standing on the moon, said the earth is out tonight. And if the sun looked like a spotlight of a Nova black sky, you know, because I've never seen it all. And I don't even know what a color is. They're just things, nuisance things that have to be matched up
3: in the laundry. As as <laughs> I hear that.
13: But um, I, I guess- um, I'm glad to know that it's going to be that you can get it on the A device. But my question is, and maybe this is something you're going to cover here at the end is, where can one go to access all the episodes and to choose them? And, mm-hmm. I, and before I um, mute <clears throat> myself and get off, I just want to thank you for what you are doing. I think it's greatly needed because there, you know, if you've never seen in your life or even if you don't see now, you are missing a lot and you're helping to bridge the gap. And I really appreciate that.
14: You thank guys you. are going to make me cry. Cheers. Thank
4: you. <laughs>
3: Oh that's very nice. I'm happy to um give some contact info. So our website is the place to go to find all of our episodes. So it's www.talkdescriptiontome.com. And so we're up to episode 69 as of tomorrow. So there's lots to choose from. Otherwise, you can just look for it on your podcast app of choice or I had actually forgotten that the echo would the Echo and the Google Home will play it? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, so. That's really cool. I should tell more people that. <laughs> I'd forgotten <laughs> about that.
2: <laughs> yeah. And you can always find us if you've got a, a, a question or a topic for us, you can, and you're on social media, you can find us on Twitter. We are at talk description. And if you search on Facebook, you can find us at talk description to me there as well.
10: Cool. And our,
3: like our email bodies address that they found vehicles that they found our email address is uh talk to and, oh,
10: <coughs> sorry on the history channel of all places
2: i think there's one more hand up but are we done are we uh do we need to wrap up i'm afraid we you know. kept talking and talking and talking no
1: you're fine you're absolutely up. fine how many listeners do you guys think you have or can you give an estimate do you have any idea
2: You know, we really don't have a a complete estimate because we put out the podcast, um, but we are also, we have, uh, we know that not everyone uh, uses podcasts. So we've tried to make sure that we are uh, featured in other spaces as well. So we license to AMI-audio in Canada, and right now we're, uh, uh, we're also available at Minds Eye Radio. Um, So between all those different platforms, it's a little hard to know. Uh, um, But frankly, we, we're putting this content out there already, so we want that the more people it reaches, the better because it's it's already available. It's it's already here, and the more people can have access to it, the, the better for us. So, uh, having the opportunity to come and speak it in, in, in forums like this and and spread the word, and and the more you know, the more people here can, if hopefully, take a listen and then let others know about it. <laughs> The, the better we really appreciate and frankly i think the most of the spread of the sh- of the knowledge of the show has been word of mouth people talking about it with friends and people going to other groups and, and and putting it in newsletters and things like that has really helped the show so if the show is something that you are enjoying or or, or finding helpful or useful uh we invite you to, to let others know and uh, and share it around we really appreciate that we truly do it's
5: well, an amazing show seven one seven yes, this is Sandy from Harrisburg. I just wanted to make sure that you when you said um i just re- i'm sorry, I just threw a, a blank thought here when you said um talk talk description to me, you're using the word t o not the word two not the number two in there correct when you gave that's your website right. earlier, okay, thank yes, you yes,
2: that's right uh, will
5: are you on the stage I am okay, I think will has a
15: comment to make. I do. First of all, I think um, if anybody's unfamiliar with their work, you've got a good sample of how, just how charming, personable, and articulate these two people are.
3: Oh my gosh, um, will you write a business card for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> I love those adjectives.
15: <laughs> well, they, they suit you to a T. And Thank I you. believe there's a... There's a um, place on your website, I believe, that you can make a donation that will support your efforts at Proteon, right?
3: Thank you. It's called Patreon. So it's a monthly subscription service. And so you can sign up. And for as little as $1 per month, you can be a financial supporter of the show. And it means so much to us in so many ways. So uh, on our website, there is an option to do that. Thank you for mentioning it. I always forget.
15: (laughs) Well, uh, Chris and JJ, we have something called like... um, Community Impact Award, and it, it states that the recipient of this reward award shall have made a significant difference in the lives of people with blindness and vision loss through a product, a service, or employment practice that leads to greater independence and opportunity. And you know, as we've seen you know, the feedback today, your your contributions to visual literacy, your your um, just bringing people with vision loss into the cultural uh, discussion, into the the understanding of the world, and 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 how sighted people just take images for granted and trade them like you know, like uh, trading cards at times. It's a shorthand, as you talk about the water cooler, and we just want to recognize your contribution to the. Uh, vision loss community and it is my great pleasure uh, representing the pennsylvania council of blind to present you to and with the 2021 community impact award and you'll be receiving a plaque from us oh, oh my,
11: my goodness, goodness. Oh, my
2: gosh. oh i'm <laughs> thank hugging you myself again so much Aww. i'm just thank you wow. so so touched so completely blown away thank you me
3: too that is so beautiful thank you so much it helped this is this is why we do the work right this is the best part of it is is getting feedback like this of how much it matters to people and the gap we're filling thank you i'm all i'm all all fuzzy inside that's very much appreciated thank you so much
2: cheers <laughs> it's it's hard to make me speechless, but I'm pretty speechless right now.
3: <laughs> That's true. It is hard it, to make it. It doesn't happen
4: very often. Oh, no, it's true. <laughs> Thank
2: you.
3: That's very lovely. Thank you so much. What a what a great surprise.
15: You're well, 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 deserving. Back to you, Sue
1: Thank you. And actually, I think we have time for uh,
15: one more question. If anyone
1: else has a question,
15: I have a question for JJ. Sure. In the in the dance one, why do not you tell your audience that? At weddings and other places. Most people are terrible dancers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, now that would be judging. No, yeah. describer yeah. should yeah. ever because
15: judge. It's the truth, <laughs> and I think blind people should know it because a lot of blind people are insecure and they don't know that the guy next to them was waving his hands and pointing up. The, you know.
3: That's a really good point. That's a really we did not talk about what makes bad dancing versus good dancing.
4: We didn't, we try <laughs> to true. enable
3: people. I did at the end. I did try to say, hey, like go have a dance. It's fun, you know. You learn something. It's really fun. I did try to put a plug for that to encourage mm-hmm. those of sh- of shy people. Um, but I love to know because I dance if I'm feeling goofy or whatever, whatever. So some social context, and I have zero sense of how I fit in visually yeah. to what other people around me are doing. Like I might look like a total loser. And <laughs> so I just have to accept that that might be true and decide to have a good time anyway. And I assume that if I look like I'm having fun, I'm halfway to, to looking not like such an idiot, but um, yeah, zero. I have absolutely zero sense of how people dance conventionally just at a wedding or at a club or, well, I guess those are two really different contexts, but uh <laughs> in a social setting like what what looks sort of normal what makes someone a good dancer what makes someone look goofy what makes someone look goofy but enjoying themselves
4: uh there's a
3: whole range there we didn't get to jj perhaps we should have a, yeah. a drunken wedding episode
4: that's
2: right the yeah. drunken yeah. i think it's that's a, a drunken good one. wedding for talk description after dark right, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. right. <laughs> the drunken wedding episode yeah tony <laughs> you have Tony has another question and this will be the last question.
7: No, it's it's not a question. I thought oh, maybe okay. a way You're to right. close this out is in the episode about the insects. Uh Chris uh, Christine reveals that a bug flew into her mouth.
4: <laughs>
7: and God. maybe we could close this out by you telling us exactly what you said. <laughs> i
3: don't think that would be appropriate i'm (laughs) quite sure that would not be appropriate there was a lot of profanity uh there was a lot of whimpering uh like a child a lot of hunching over. I can imitate the whimpering if you want, but it's pretty unbecoming. So I don't think I know there was a lot of profanity. So just very quickly, if um we were talking about insects in our episode and I had the experience of, I was singing with friends outside and I took a nice deep breath for the chorus and I got a, a, a fly in my throat. So it was my like, and, and I, 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 Leaned over and did a lot of undignified things, like spitting and, and stuff, and a lot of profanity ensued, which I'm not going to repeat. Or you'll take my award back. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I want a plaque. I don't have a plaque. I want a plaque.
2: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Oh, thanks for reminding me.
1: <laughs> Thank you both very much for coming tonight. For all that you've done in your 69 episodes and counting um as as you've learned tonight you have many people who love what you do and are very appreciative
2: of it
3: oh thank you very much oh it's been a thank, you so, thank you so much so much it's yeah, been
2: lovely it really has been absolutely fantastic really appreciate it cheers everyone yeah thanks
12: cheers, have a great cheers. Night. cheers. commercial doug how is omni ballot accessible OmniBallot is a fully ADA Section 508 WCAG 2.1 compliant remote ballot marking solution. The system has been tested to meet the accessibility requirements of over 90 combinations of browsers, operating systems, screen readers, and devices. OmniBallot has been deployed as an accessible absentee tool since 2009, deployed in 21 states, 2,500 jurisdictions, and has been tested and reviewed by members of most every leading disability organization in the nation. For more information, please visit www.democracylive.com.
1: And now we're going to move on into a presentation on enhancing accessibility through architecture. Um, And our presenter tonight is Christopher Downey. Chris is a planner and a An architect, um, he's got more than 30 years of experience. Uh, Chris has been blind since 2008, but he still remains active in his architecture practice. Um, and he joins us tonight to talk about, um, exactly the kind of work that he does and how, um, we can be more, um, aware about, um, the types of architecture and different things we can do to um, get more accessibility into buildings and other things in our communities. So Chris, welcome.
16: Hi, hi, thank you. Thank you, it's wonderful to be here with you. Sorry, I can't be there in person. I have to settle for the virtual experience. Um, So yeah, uh, thanks for the introduction. Um, As was explained, uh, I am an architect. I practice out of California uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area although most of my work is spread out again around the country, uh, doing work uh, with various firms, uh, uh, really all around doing all sorts of different, different things. And uh, as uh, Sue uh, indicated, uh, I'm, uh, I did lose my sight back in 2008. Uh, and so at that point sort of re reimagined, uh how to work, you know, if I could work, sort of figuring all that out. And uh, uh, it was, I don't want to spend too much time there, but in a circumstance that happened then, I I had just started a a new job managing, and being the managing director of an architectural office that was doing really, really exciting, prefabricated modular uh, custom home designs. And and, uh, I had been there for three months when I had the surgery and unexpectedly lost my sight. So that was kind of a tough start. Uh, to working with the firm. Uh, and I actually went back to the office exactly a month after I lost my sight uh, in the hospital, just trying to figure out how to, uh, how to imagine being an architect, what I could do, where I could find value, offer value and whatever. Um, but of course, if you can connect some dots 2008, that was uh, kind of a tough time in the economy. Uh, it was hitting our firm incredibly hard uh, as I was doing all my rehabilitation training, all my O and M, braille uh, technology, uh, all that, I was able to keep my keep my job. Kept doing work, and then in uh, December, and about the third or fourth round of layoffs, I was laid off. So I got to start 2009 looking for a job in the depths of the of the recession, uh, and especially challenging having been blind as an architect for less than a year. Uh, through some really, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, some good intervention, uh, some good networking, uh, was quickly connected to a firm that was doing uh, a polytrauma and blind rehabilitation center for the Department of Veterans Affairs in Palo Alto, California. And and with that, they were really interested that I was an architect that was new to sight loss because they were designing a building for veterans that were new to sight loss. Uh, by that time, I had the skills to uh, work with tactile drawings. Uh, I had been through the training that their veterans would go through in that, in that facility, uh, and uh, had 30 years of experience as an architect. So they thought I could bring really unique value to the team and to the, to the client, and ultimately to the veterans that would be uh, going there for the rehabilitation. So you know, at that point, I was really looking for a job. But uh, I, what it pointed out was a sort of whole area of work, types of things that I could do to find uh, where I could really work and contribute within the profession of architecture and to the you know for the clients uh, that those buildings would serve in those cities and, and whatever else. So that really started to find a new way I would approach the work, something I would never thought about before. Of, specializing in projects for the blind and visually impaired uh, and also for the broader disability community uh, and and doing it in a way where I would consult directly with teams, uh, be part of their design team and really bring to bear uh, this sort of uh, lived experience of blindness uh, into the design process to be part of it and finding creative solutions, both to problems but also in recognizing opportunities and things that would be uh, uh, beneficial, uh, enriching, uh, and if it's in an environment specifically for the blind, particularly sort of well adapted and appropriate to that experience, uh, and doing it in very integrated and respectful ways. So um, that really went to you know, sort of set my mark for how I was gonna move going forward. And so that was back in 2009, and uh, I continue to, to work generally in that mode But doing everything from schools for the blind, agencies serving the blind, Uh, see eye centers do a lot of work in healthcare, and that was actually the connection to this uh, event. Was the work that I've been doing with uh, architects, uh, national firm called HOK, doing work uh, with uh, UPMC uh, in Pittsburgh uh, for their new uh, vision. vision uh, rehabilitation, a hospital tower in, uh, at, uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so in, in facilities like that, I'm really part of the design team really advocating for the blind and visually impaired patient experience. Everything from uh, you know, how they approach you know, the experience before they get there, but also moving through uh, approaching the building, getting into the building, Getting uh, to the uh, information desk, getting off to where they need to go, and really sort of working in, uh, really sort of working with the rehabilitation training, the O and M training, uh, not just interpreting the environment, but knowing how those environments are interpreted. Those skill sets we use for cane travel, uh, for dog, uh, working with a a guide dog. Not that I have much personal experience with that, but working having worked with people that do, uh, and really trying to make that part of the process, really thinking about that as the visitor, uh, the patient uh, experience uh, moving th- through those buildings. Um, so uh, anyway, I'll come back to that later. Uh, also got involved doing some uh, work beyond these immediate areas, because you know I, I'm concerned about how the blind and visually impaired get their services, but also concerned about going to work, uh, getting to work, and while they're at work and in the community in general. So getting involved in transportation projects, uh, public transportation, some work in airports, uh, but also museums, uh, culturally trying to find places that and be more inclusive strategies for the blind and visually impaired in museums, uh, in the museum content and experience. Uh, and and uh, excitingly these days, a lot of work with technology uh, companies in their office and corporate uh, office, uh, campuses, largely because they're employing so many people with disabilities, and especially people that are blind and visually impaired. And I've been delighted to find that as, as a client, they are very excited and determined to go well beyond accessibility regulations to really um, provide an inclusive environment for their diverse workforce that really sort of provides an appropriate level playing ground for everyone to feel included and in giving their best to, in that environment. So it's a really great environment to be involved where it's, it's not about what do we need to do? What does this code tell us to do? It's more about what should we be doing here? Um, so those are really exciting opportunities and it's something that I hope will really change sort of the whole uh, sort of way other clients approach Uh, designing of environments for people and noticing, realizing and honoring the obligation to be inclusive to the the full broad public, not just those that have classically been at the center. So so anyway, uh, I know there's some, I was going to explain a little bit about how I work, the accessible uh, uh, processes and things I might use. It's not a whole lot. I use, do a lot of work with uh, adaptive, sorry, with embossing printers, large format embossing printers, uh, so that I can print drawings in tactile form and read, read those. Uh, I have no site at all. So there's really no interface that's suitable for me today to work in the digital space of architecture, to design, to draw within the computer uh, to do that. Uh, there's some things under development that might enable that in the near to far future at some incredible price point. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be there at some point uh, in the in the future and something I can take advantage of. Uh, tr- trust me, there, at today there's not a big market for blind architects out there, but I- I'm trying to change that we'll uh, so, see what we can do. Uh, but uh, anyways, there's the but having the embossing drawings are really critical because uh, the drawings are where that's sort of the currency of of the architectural trade of being able to read the drawings, to interpret things. And it's something that I've really come to uh, appreciate the challenge in working with many of the clients that I work with that are blind. And uh, for me, it's really easy, a seamless process for me to share drawings with those groups to be able to have access to drawings so they don't have to be told. What the drawing is about, or told what the design is about. Uh, you know, we were just, you had the session before this about uh, description, talk description. I didn't catch the full title, but relying on someone else's verbal description of a graphic event or graphic tool uh, really puts, especially if you're in a decision point, puts you in the place of trusting and having to rely on that inevitable interpretation from the interpreter of that drawing uh, who may or may not know what to be looking for or or whatever. And, and even if they do a fabulous job, a perfect job, the ability to arrange those uh, verbal pictures <laughs> into the same thing that's the actual drawing, the the actual form of what's being proposed. So having these tactile drawings that I can share with clients uh, that I can send off to them or whatever uh, has really been uh, helpful in serving those those groups. So that's key. Uh, and and then I've uh, worked on ways to draw on top of that using wax sticks. Uh, I'm sure you all have used those. Uh, it's a common thing for drawing, uh, they, for kids that are blind, uh, all sorts of people that are blind to use wax sticks to sketch, to draw things, make things, And I love working with it because there's to me, they're like uh, like lines, just lines that I can shape in my hand and stick on the paper and I can draw on top of the embossed drawings so I can sketch out new ideas, new things on top of it. Uh, I can then take take digital photographs with my iPhone, uh, email it off, share it through whatever process that team is using. I can have a Zoom call. I can show them what I'm working on. We can share it that way. I'm meeting with them in person, uh, we can all pull out the wax sticks and sketch together. I can show them what's going on. And, and I found that the, uh, architects that I work with really sort of love this sort of a different way of, of interacting with the process of design and, and of, of, uh, drawing and things. And, and that's sort of one thing i really found is that once working with an architectural team, uh, that you know we're, I think from the blind experience you know, architects don't really have a lot of understanding about the blind experience there aren't too many blind architects uh and it's just a profession that's sort of been outside uh a, a, a breach of people that were blind and and the profession has really suffered from it and and uh but I think there's a real thirst for within the profession to better understand it and work with it. The interface interactions I have is a truly rich inquisitive, curious, really eager audience to learn new ways of doing things and and new issues and things to work with. Uh, So uh, even the process of doing that and imagining it, and as I tell them, the advantage of it is when I'm drawing uh, with wax sticks and if I'm on an embossed plan, I'm feeling the plan, Uh, I'm mentally inside the drawing. I'm putting myself at the fingertip in the drawing, just like you're reading braille, but this time it's in inside space. And my mind is actively sort of imagining and bringing to mind all those things that we've been designing, the nature of the space, the acoustics, the tactile experience, the materials on the floor, the sun coming through a window, the orientation you get through that, the ability to, to hear the proportion of the space, uh knowing what's going on around and where to move and sort of thinking through that and really experiencing the building not as a collection of rooms as architects tend to do but as a sequence of moving through the building from the way you come in through the front door and move through the whole thing and sort of that organic experience of just walking down the hallways constantly thinking about the entire process we go through to use interpret and navigate through space Um, So anyway, there's a lot of work that's done with that and being able to work in the drawing that way and to bring other architects into that way of thinking has been really helpful uh, and I think beneficial. So um, so anyway, that was just uh, a little bit about the process. There's more I could go through with with that and some of the tools, but it's a pretty low tech thing ultimately beyond the embossing, embossed drawings uh, and then all the digital connectivity and that goes on these days and the ability to, to do that, uh, especially in these days of COVID, uh, nobody's traveling. And when I've got work uh, from, coast, uh, from one coast to the other and work in Canada uh, and elsewhere, there's uh, the ability to, to uh, have virtual meetings and participate that, uh, in all that is really helpful. Certainly as a, in a visual medium like architecture, when we're on zoom calls and they're sharing screens and bringing up drawings and things i can't access that on the uh in the uh in, in the presentation and in the, in the meetings and things hopefully i've uh have those drawings available to me uh in at my desk and can refer to them as i need to and follow along that way um uh, and and the the teams you know they they're certainly uh knowledgeable about my situation and do uh, work uh, to, to make sure that I'm included uh, and they'll be responsive if there's things that I'm not missing out on. Uh, so constantly having to advocate for what I need to do my job uh, and doing that in a really tremendously visual field. But uh, I think the key thing was having those 30 years of experience, uh, knowing the business, knowing the profession, the training and everything, to be able to work with that has really been helpful. Uh, that's not to say that I that I would like to think that that's essential. Uh, I'm excited to be sort of mentoring and working along with uh, three students now that are in that are visually impaired, that are in uh, accredited schools of architecture around the country that uh, are really being tra- trailblazers and pushing through those uh, those schools uh, to. To become architects themselves. So I'm sort of excited about that as a trajectory of some other things that are going on and, and what, where the profession can go. And what I always say is that the, uh, for a creative uh, profession like architecture, the benefit of having entirely new ways of, of thinking about architecture, new issues to be uh, really bringing into the process. Uh, and really seeing what new things we can do within the profession besides just being part of it uh, and being included in that manner. So um, let's see. There was also some questions about just general um, advocacy and things that we should be pushing for. And, you know, what in the work that I do, whether it's for the, the UPMC uh, Vision and Rehabilitation uh, uh, Center but uh, or other eye sensors or other buildings for things around town, uh, you know, most people from from the outside think of of uh, blindness uh, and the experience of blindness is is of not being able to see, obviously, but not thinking about then what then what else goes on, and uh, what's the rest of that experience about. And so, sort of the work that I do is really different than sort of calling out these are the things you need to do. I. I sort of work in it in the process of working in really sort of multi sensory design strategies to design sort of, uh, appropriate, uh, pattern languages and ways of moving through space to recognize if you're in the main space, uh, or, you know, just ways to anticipate those moves. But there, there are some, certainly some things in the built environment to be mindful of. Uh, there are things in the code that I find that architects just do not typically understand. uh, And that has to do with regulations. Most commonly, uh, it's regulations um, with regards to, um, uh, in the code, it's referred to as head clearance and protruding objects, things coming off the wall. Um, That's pretty straightforward in the diagramming in the code. But where the things get interesting are, and especially in modern architecture, Uh, leaning walls, uh, walls that lean into space uh, for artistic purposes, common in art museums and other places like that, Uh, sometimes for flamboyant, interesting reasons, sometimes not for too good a reason, just kind of fun to do. And it can be, but there are obviously problems uh, tilting walls, and they don't understand it. It's not easily understood in the diagrams. Uh, if you go through the code, uh, it seems like a loophole, but it's just that they have to think more thoroughly through it and actually read the text instead of just looking at the diagram, uh, to understand the, 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 uh, real depth of the issue and to combine those two together and, uh, between the protruding objects and, and, uh, heading, um, headroom clearances. So, uh, really advocate a lot for that and educate a lot of architects about that, uh, and, and pointing out the difference between a, a, a barrier and uh, an accessibility barrier to someone who can't uh, approach a building because there's stairs leading up to the front door—that's one type of of uh, barrier. Another type of barrier is, you know, a a diagonal structure across space that's uh, uh, you walk through under it with your cane or under it with your dog, and you take the take the the diagonal structure in your forehead um as i've done a few times living in california we have lots of diagonal structure (laughs) and uh and and realizing that head clearance issue really has a profound effect and it's something that you don't know it necessarily until it's kind of too late and it comes with bodily injury uh, as opposed to the frustration of having to find another way to go in you just you know i i introduce it as head, head bangs and body blows of, of trying to get them to understand the, the nature of those things. Um, so that's not necessarily something you would advocate for uh, in working with, them, but just something I do in dealing with architects to make sure they better understand, uh, understand those regulations. But going where I find a lot of need today is in technology. In uh, smart buildings are really taking over, bringing more and more technology into architecture. Uh, and it's everything from building systems, uh, how the sit- buildings are run, uh, elevators. If people have in- encountered dispatch elevator systems, the type of elevator that you have to find the, the uh, elevator controls outside of the elevator, out in the elevator lobby. You tell it which floor you want to go to. It tells you which car to get into. And it takes you there and uh, uh, sort of that's a huge challenge from the blind and visually impaired experience. It's done for good reason for efficiencies of saving a lot of energy. They can really cut, they can reduce uh, the energy load on the building by at least a third in high rise buildings by using these systems because it can make more intelligent use deployment of the elevators to group people together to send them to common places. Uh, But it comes at the expense of the human experience of interacting with those elevators, uh, especially the blind and visually impaired experience in the systems that have been developed. Initially, they introduced those systems with no interface whatsoever for the blind and visually impaired. They've since come up with new systems uh, that uh, are now required by code Those systems were constantly changing. Initially, they were tactile keypads. Those, of course, were replaced by uh, smart screens, touch screens, and also they had a whole new problem of how to make that accessible. It's one thing to make your smartphone accessible. Uh, That's your own personal device. You learn it. You get training for it if you need it. You shouldn't have to get training to approach an elevator and, and request the floor you want to go to and how to use that device. It's a very different thing. Uh, And there's a concept in universal design called simple and intuitive use. Uh, The system that's there today in those dispatch elevator systems haven't quite succeeded in achieving that simple and intuitive use, especially the touch pads. Um, uh, Sorry, the the touch screens. So that's, I tend to advocate away from uh, the touch screens Push clients, uh, building owners that are looking at those to go away from that. If you ever have the opportunity, Uh, insist on the uh, tactile keypads. Those remain an option. Clients always want to have the newest and sexiest thing. That's the touchscreen. Those interfaces, if you've experienced them, they work, but they're incredibly suboptimal. I've yet to find a really suitable one uh, to use. So, I always advise uh, that you, they also include uh, tactile keypads. Uh, they're much faster to use, uh, much more inclusive, get you much more positive feedback. And quite frankly, it can be, uh, besides quicker, a little bit more uh, personal and private. Uh, the interface just doesn't, you just punch in the numbers. We're so used to punching that in. Just, you know, they have their tactile five, you know, where everything else is, you're good to go. Um, so so anyway, I do advocate for those. There's also a lot of, of, of motion these days towards uh, touchscreen information kiosk. Uh, it could be a concierge system for the building. It could be just for uh, a building directory, all sorts of things. And they will do everything that comes to mind that's required for accessibility in terms of approach and use for people with mobility impairments or wheelchairs, they'll make it physically accessible and they'll insist it's accessible until you ask, well, how do you use it if you're blind? And they're like, oh, well, it's, that doesn't do that. Well, it's not you said it was accessible. <laughs> so um, it's, a, it's something that that industry is really catching up to uh, as they get more and more things in the built environment, it'll be more common. Uh, but, again, it's going to be what is that interface going to be like? How is it going to be simple and intuitive to make that work? Uh, so it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, and where I, I think there's strength in advocating for uh, in this context is is in procurement. When cities, when clients are looking to to, to order things, uh, if there is a new project in town, if you've uh, just find out what's going on or even in cities that are engaging in smart, smart city technologies to always insist that whatever they're asking for, whatever RFPs they're sending out, whatever technologies they're talking about, they're always requiring uh, uh, explicitly requiring accessibility for the blind and visually impaired. If they don't ask for it up front, they get a contractual uh, uh, contract written, award the work, sign a contract. If if that accessibility isn't called for in the uh, 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 request for proposals, then it's going to be either oh we can't do that, or it's going to call, that's that's extra. You didn't ask for that, uh, so it's important to get that uh, understood and built into the procurement process up front. So. That is a huge thing. Uh given all the push for for um, smart cities these days, uh smart city technologies, uh that's an important thing to to be looking out for and advocating for. Um and then, you know, in the um let's see, oh there's so many little things uh of of uh um different processes. So much of it is the things that I work on is really about sort of how to design within that, make it part of the process to make it more natural, obvious, intuitive, uh, and working within the the skill set that we have for cane travel. Uh, being mindful of how the those using uh, using uh, service animals, uh, but also especially the low vision condition, designing for high visible contrast. Uh, that's, uh, in fact, you know, as we all know, that's more, that serves more of the population than those with no sight at all. Uh, and that's something that's not fully understood within the industry, although the codes do speak to that to some extent, but not thoroughly. Certainly advocating for high visible contrasting strips on all stairs, uh, whether the interior or exterior uh, interestingly, they're not typically required in interior environments in most state codes and not by the ADA, uh, except in some circumstances. But uh, typically, clients and our architects are more than happy to do it if it's brought to their attention. So uh, high visible contrast strips. Obviously, uh, I'm a big prop- proponent of signage, accessible signage. Now, it's especially important in old buildings uh, it's common in medical office buildings that predate uh, ADA, the passage of ADA. Oftentimes, uh, people think that, oh, our building was built before ADA was passed. We're grandfathered. We don't have to comply with those codes, uh, those regulations. That's not correct. They're, as we all know, at risk of lit- uh, litigation. Uh, but also, there's there's a common thing that's part of compliance, uh, in those older buildings in uh, having, a, a, a res- a uh, 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 workplace, barrier removal, standard removal. And it's just that simply because you can't get into the building doesn't mean that they no longer have to comply with other regulations. It's like, just because there's stairs up doesn't mean that somebody in that's blind, isn't going to go there. And they're going to need signage once they're inside the building, um, Having a friend who recently fell down a stair uh, that was not labeled as a stair in a medical office building. Uh, there was an whole building that the door opened up. She thought it was a bathroom. She could find no signage anywhere. This, there wasn't even a landing at the door. Open the door, the first step was the stair down. And uh, uh, yeah, she broke some bones. And something as simple as signage. So always advocating uh, for doing those accessibility improvements. In the context of barrier removal, often they wouldn't think that putting a sign is part of barrier remo- removal, but that's part of their obligation and things they should do to, to do the best they can to make those buildings accessible to the full extent possible. So um, I was to uh, talk for about 30 minutes. I've reached that limit, so I'll stop there and open, be open to questions or comments, anything people have to, to share.
1: Chris, uh, I, I see someone does have a raise hand, but let me ask my question first. Is there a resource out there, um, some type of a fact sheet or something along those lines of the kinds of things that you're just talking about now?
16: The uh, the the short answer is no. Uh,
11: okay, well, could you in, create in context
16: that? Of that? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I need to work on that. There is one that comes close. Uh, there is a Rather meaty document created by uh, NIBS. It's the uh, uh, not, not the National Industries for the Blind that we know. It's the National Institute of Building Sciences, NIBS, and they they uh, uh, put together put together a panel to, to develop a the a low to, low vision design guideline, um, and it's and it's a really thorough document that uh, really addresses the low vision condition. It does not address the, the fully blind condition, uh, but uh, it's, it is an important document. And that's the one that I, I refer every client team that I work with to refer to. It deals with everything from site design, site lighting, the interior environment, moving through the building, lighting, signage, uh, color contrast, materials, glare, uh, patterns, you name it, uh, in the low vision experience, uh, it's pretty well covered there. And I was part of a, of a research team in, uh, in Massachusetts that was con- contracted by the Massachusetts uh, Commission for the Blind, again, um, their real name, their full name, the state agency, uh, to uh, look for guidelines for the blind and visually impaired in the workplace environment. Uh, on an international basis and with a really good team that that was really determined to be the most definitive resource that uh nibs uh, nibs okay. low vision design guideline it was published in 2010 updated i think 2015 that's available uh online um and it was also done in conjunction with the, the uh, department of justice uh the uh, um, access um u.s access board so, okay, um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, um, yeah. I I do need to pull together my little quick guideline for those those simple things. But unfortunately, they're so nuanced. But they're I, yeah. it's important to bake it uh, to bake it down into some critical steps. So, sorry for the negative answer on that and the long <laughs> answer. Okay.
1: We'll go to Tony and then Kathy.
7: First, a, a comment and then a question. Yeah. The comment is. I want to echo what Sue has said, and there does need to be a standards book uh, to deal with issues. um, For instance, how do we provide orientation points to wide open spaces and open staircases and so forth? Mm -hmm. And I know architects don't want to be told what to do. I get that. But the book would provide... Uh, alternatives for uh, in in this instance, wide open spaces and and how one could orient themselves to what are the orientation markers uh, and in courtyards and so forth. So a a standards book is, is definitely needed. Now my question is with regard to conveying information and you talked about drawings and uh, I struggle with this because I build things from time to time and I'm always stuck trying to convey a three-dimensional image with a two-dimensional drawing. So I guess the question is, I feel much more comfortable in designing in in, in 3D and I wish that there was a an appropriate program uh for 3D and, and using a 3D printer yeah. because two dimension just doesn't do it for me.
16: Right. Um there uh Tony it's a really good point and something I uh struggle with and and there's I don't I don't know if you all are aware of an architect by the name of Frank Gehry. Um, uh practices out of Los Angeles and he's done a lot of he's notorious for just crazy form, uh, and he works in three dimensions uh, in things that simply could not be drawn, uh, and and then digitally scans those forms into the computer uh, to then be able to start drawing. Uh, actually, he doesn't even issue drawings; he, he hands over uh, discs or you know his digital files to use because it defies drawings. But that process, if it could ever get mainstreamed of getting good, quick 3D scans of what could be a 3D sketch, it could be a model, it could be something you're using uh, clay, you could be using wood, you could be using all sorts of things to create a model uh, to then scan it digitally into the computer to then have be able to come up automatically generate you know, different plan views or elevation views uh, to then be able to work with those, you know, that would be a fabulous uh, tool. Um, so, so, but that's to my knowledge, not available on the market uh, unless you have, you know, lots and lots of money uh, to be uh, getting that kind of equipment. Cause that, that equipment is generally out there. It's on, actually pretty commonly used to, three-dimensionally scan buildings now. They even have robots. You just send the robot off into the space, into the buildings and it goes through and it just scans everything. Those 3D scans and generates the drawings and boom, here you go. Here's your existing building. Uh, So, uh, but that's doing from the inside the space out to the perimeter shell that's defining that interior space. Um, But uh, it's a simple thing to then take it to that kind of three-dimensional scan.
17: Okay, Kathy. I never would have thought that blind people needed special buildings. Um, You know, we pretty much go where we need to go, blah, blah, blah. And then a few years ago, the um, Disability Center here um, did a um, a, a model upgrade or whatever. And I mean, all the halls are curved. The lobby is round with (laughs) high ceilings. It's really hard to hear. It's really that the halls are all There's things on the walls, not protrusions so much, but like on one side of the walls, glass cases where there are trophies and whatever. Mm -hmm. And on the other side is a railing that goes in and out and in and out. It's not a straight hall. There's benches and doors Mm -hmm. that go in and out. And are are there things that you can recommend that somebody can make something that wasn't made accessible. Like, I'm not sure what they could do to their, we thought yeah. when we, they were building it, we thought if you could just have a line down the hallway so you could, you know, keep straight when you're walking. And you yeah, know, they could, couldn't do that, but.
16: Yeah, no, that's uh, when part of the design process, that's an easy thing to do. It's like, I, I typically advocate for hard surfaces for the primary circulation path through a space. And then if you have seating areas, uh, off to the side or a lounge area or whatever else, different kind of open spaces into that, uh, off that circulation spine, that those other things have uh, high contrasting texture uh, and, uh, and colors so that they're visually Ooh. and texturally different. Often it's I thought like- of, oh, provide a different color, but then you might have the same material you know, as polished stone. It feels the same, but in two different colors. And if you're low vision, that works. But if it, if you're no vision or no func- you know, no functional vision, then it's that doesn't communicate anything. So uh, always advocate for both a high visual contrast and a high tactile contrast, so that uh, you know cane travelers and even a, someone with a guide dog, a, a dog guide, would be able to feel underfoot that con- that level of, of textural difference and material difference. So, what you know, did you call it the circulation? Yeah,
17: circulation. Sorry,
16: I just say yeah. circulation
17: spine? I, I really uh, like that. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah,
16: circulation spine. That's architectural talk. I'm sorry to use that language.
17: <laughs> no, no, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah,
16: but that's the that's where like the main circulation path through you know, mm-hmm. a large building, and um, you know, I and and whether it's an eye center uh, or like the the place you the place you were describing. It sounds like just small hallways yeah, or circulation paths. It might be a whole range of things that have these different curves and forms. And one thing I always tell architects that propose doing that is, like, okay, if you're going to have a lot of blind people in this space, everybody that has their office on the other side of the wall is going to have to get used to hearing canes banging up against the side of their walls as they're trying to follow the curvature. <laughs> because there's no way. A blind con- uh, person can walk on a radius of uh, 22 feet, eight inches to be able to, to magically sort of stay on, you know, in the, in the space uh, on that curvature. They're going to have to shoreline along that edge, uh, most likely, unless you're really good at echolocation, uh, at echo feedback, things you, you're going to be needing to shoreline against that edge And so I let make sure they know what it sounds like to have a metal cane tip or roller tip (laughs) banging up against the wall, (laughs) going up and down, back and forth. Good point. Yeah.
17: Excellent point.
16: But but also it's just not. uh, It's you can navigate those spaces, but they are disruptive to any kind of cognitive mapping, your own mental mapping of the space, Um, and. So really, you know, typically, I just absolutely push against uh, curves if they're not necessary, and then do them appropriately if they are, uh, if they're really necessary. And, uh, but then there are things, devices that are commonly used, like round circulation desks that you know, you're comfortable to be against. But then once you need to leave it, you have no idea where, where the orthogonal orientation is of the space. Um, and needing, uh, as Tony said, you know, earlier about markers. It, uh, how do you reorient to space in any kind of dignified, appropriate way? Uh, so really, sort of avoiding uh, curvature just, you know, can really make a mess of the sort of mental mapping of space, and and especially how you leave that area.
1: We have time for one quick question, mm-hmm. Joe
16: Corey.
1: I see you.
11: Hand raised. Okay, I had um I had a number here that's had their hand raised for quite a while. Okay, but, uh,
1: five one zero. Go ahead, Joe.
9: Uh, yes, how, how have you considered? Although you just touched on the word echolocation, and that mm-hmm. was
15: touching, Uh how have you considered the use of your materials in the
9: walls uh, or other silent objects when you are designing the building?
16: Yeah. Um- I'm very interested in that and, and uh, have actually done some work with a uh, acoustic uh, group in, uh, in San Francisco and they have offices around the country. Uh, and they do a really some really interesting cutting edge stuff where uh, we, can, we can take the building in its digital form when it's being designed, they can take it into their system and then model the sound in the space. Uh, so you can go into their sound lab, which is an ambitronic sound lab, uh, and have sound that's three-dimensional all around you and hear what that space is going to sound like. Uh, and then you can change materials, wall materials, ceiling materials. You can ch- change the shape, change the forms, the construction, and you can hear how that, uh, those materials, that construction affects the sound, um, they were doing that for music halls and, and thing, spaces like that, high-end music spaces, sound spaces. And I started working with them, challenging them that I want to hear the architecture as I'm moving through it. So if you're, if you're tapping your cane as you're walking through the space, you, know, you want to be able to hear the reflections, you want to hear where openings are, uh, and uh, they developed ways to be able to, to model that so I can go into their sound lab in the design phases of work and, and actually have a simulated walkthrough of hearing that tapping and being able to hear transitions from one space into another, uh, hearing uh, the reverberation within the space, and then reflections off materials and being able to change that and, and sort of really work with it to design it towards the effective sort of soundscape of a building, but also towards the quality of the acoustic experience within it sort of working within, like in a, uh, we use this for the Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired in San Francisco, use that system uh, to design it uh, so that you could have a lively, sort of engaging, sort of positive uh, experience in the reception area with good sounds and you hear things happening, you know, people working off in a kitchen, laughter and stuff going on beyond, but then have a good, simple conversation with receptionists or someone sitting next to you in the waiting area being able to hear that well so designing towards that speech intelligibility but also a lively environment also Mm -hmm. while considering you know being able to hear the space as you're moving through it Um, i don't think we just were as successful as i would like to have been in those transitions it does work uh but uh in terms of the speech intelligibility and all the broader goals it was very successful so it is something I really am interested in and really, uh, really excited to keep pushing on. I don't get too many opportunities on projects that have the, the, the means to engage that level of design on those projects. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's an effective but expensive process. Luckily the engineering firm there, they love uh, this challenge and they typically do their best to make it cost effective to make it uh viable feasible for the projects so.
1: thank you chris um that's going to be all the time we have for questions um chris i don't know if you want to leave um these folks with any kind of contact information or if you don't want people calling you no, no, that's <laughs> it, it's that's, up to you really no it's um, fine
16: i i'm i it's probably best i just share my email address and I don't know if that's something Sorry. you could uh, aid, uh, share with the group, but I can certainly give it to you now. Um, That'd be great. Okay, that's Chris, C-H-R-I-S, period, D-O-W-N-E-Y, at Arch, A-R-C-H, that's short for architecture, Arch, A-R-C-H, for the number four, blind, dot com. So it's Chris.Downey at archforblind.com.
1: Thank you, Chris, so much for all of your work, all of your advocacy and for coming here tonight. We really appreciate it.
16: That's well, my pleasure. It's been and, great. And, all right. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your conference. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye.
1: We're gonna have our door prizes. Will? Oh, we
16: have a you spot. Door too. Prizes? Yep.
15: Do you want the spot? Let's first? do
1: that after ap- let's do that after.
15: Got it. You want to do thank door you. prizes now? All yes. right. We're gonna try and give away this ten dollar cash um, prize from Keystone. The winning number is 10, and the name is Mark Sink. Mark, are you in the house? Raise your hand. Yep, just raise his hand. The next, another $10 cash prize from Lehigh Valley. Number is 33. Felix Calazo. Calazo? Felix, are you in the house? Raise your hand. If not, you have 15 minutes to contact me. 727-564-9759. Or W-G-R-I-G-N-O-N-1-3 at gmail.com. We have a $15 Burger King certificate from Philadelphia Regional. The number is 40. The name Cynthia Gibbs.
1: Oh, I know she's got to be
15: here. Cynthia, are you in she's the house? She's always here.
1: Yep, there she is.
15: <laughs> All right. We have a $20 cash prize. Mike's going to be writing a lot of checks. Donated by Washington count, uh, Chapter. The number is 81. The name, October Low. October, you in the house. No.
1: Oh, all right. Yes, I am. Oh, there all she right.
15: is. There you go. All right, we have a $15 Starbucks gift card. Donated by PCB. The number is 129. Oh. Sarita Kimball. Oh, yeah. Sarita. She Woohoo. She in the house? George, we tell have you another where She's a winner. We have a, another $10 cash prize donated by Pagdus. The number is 95. Sherry Crumb, are you in the house? Oh, right, Sherry. Oh, by the way, Shirley Brotman, I got your call. You're in. Confirmed. Thank you. All right, we have another $10 cash prize from the Keystone Chapter. Number is 26. It's GD, Gigi Beattie. Beatty? Gigi? Are it's you the out there? the second time she's gotten chosen. That's right. See, you get thrown back into the pool. All right, you have fifteen minutes. We have a fifteen-dollar cash prize, donated by Lehigh Valley. The number is one one seven, and the winner is Jody Mullis. Oh, Jody. Are you here, Jody? I don't think she's here. All right, you have fifteen minutes. All right, we have another fifteen-dollar Burger King gift card, donated by Philadelphia Regional. The number is eighty-seven. Robert Roebuck. Robert, are you in the house? No, but Sears is. Ah, Doug. Douglas. 15 minutes. All right, we have a $25 Amazon card. Donated by Lynn and Kevin Shields. Thank you very much. The number is 66. Melissa Carney. Are you in the house? Wow, I'm here. All right. All right, we have a uh, fifteen dollars uh, subway. This is the last uh, prize for this evening. Oh, there's Sarita. Sarita right. just
1: raised her hand.
15: All right. Okay, Once again, Sarita, we, we got we, you. We thank all the donors. Uh, without you, we couldn't do this fun stuff. So it's a fifteen dollars subway card, donated by PCB. The number is one two zero. Robert Rodriguez.
7: The Golden Triangle Council of the Blind is a peer network that meets monthly to discuss and strategize solutions to issues affecting the Allegheny County blind and visually impaired community. GTCB peers are individuals of varying vision levels and ages committed to the objectives of independence, equality,
16: opportunity, and
7: accessibility. Our chapter is honored to provide financial sponsorship as a community advocate for the 2021 PCB Conference and Convention. Prevention.
1: Alrighty.
7: Here we go.
16: Take it away, Marianne.
8: Thank you. Alright, so welcome everyone. Um, this is um, kind of just a fun night. No no trivia. Um, it's just what you know about yourself, so it's real easy. So, <clears throat> how it works is you'll say three things about yourself. We have, first of all, we have our, our two inquisitors for this. Our, do we have Lisha in the house? I talked to her yesterday. Um, I don't have her phone number in front of me. But, Lisha, if you're there, if you could raise your hand. Of course, we have some phone numbers with hands raised. So, um... let's, okay. let's unmute them and see who they are.
6: Okay. Okay, um, we have,
8: oh, there's Lisha. Yay. (laughs) Okay, so our first two Inquisitors are Lisha and Sue. And our first contestants are George. I know, I heard George is in the house. Lisa Salinger, I heard, come in, right? Lisa, you're there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, Kathy Shelton, I heard her, she's there. Joe Sakura, are you with us? It's going
4: to be a raised hand. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There he is.
8: <laughs> okay. Sandy, I heard. And Melissa, I heard. Okay. So our first six contestants are in the house and our inquisitors are in the house. So this is how it works. You're going to say three things about yourself in one sentence. And two of them are going to be true. And one of them is going to be a tall tale. So did anyone listen to the podcast that Tony and I did where I demonstrated? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. So that's just how it works. It's, it's really simple. And, and, um, and then after, so after you make your three statements, our two inquisitors have two minutes between them to ask you questions. So, you know, as I've said in my emails and and when I talk to you have a good backstory, I hope you have gotten a good backstory for that tall tale. And um, after those two minutes, the audience gets to raise their hands and decide uh, by a hand, uh, by raising their hands gets to vote as to which statement is the lie based on, you know, the information that you hear from the inquisitors and your own instincts um, and I should mention that everybody who's participated, and there are four inquisitors and uh, twelve, twelve contestants, will receive a prize, a surprise prize, <laughs> it, um, and you'll get it in the mail. It'll be a ten-dollar um, value at, of some of some sort. So, without further ado, can I,
1: can I, yeah? just housekeeping wise, ask everyone, if you're not an inquisitor, you're not Marianne. Well, you're not the contestant at the time. Please mute yourself.
8: Okay. So the, the first, our first contestant is George Holliday. So are you ready, George? No. i <laughs> <Yes. laughs> oh, sure you are. We've talked about yeah. this. Go for it. All right.
15: This is how it's done. My name is George Holliday. I had a conversation with President Herbert Walker Bush, I drove a motorcycle on the interstate without a license. I went tandem skydiving. All right, Inquisitors. George,
1: when did you go ride on a motorcycle or drive on a motorcycle? How long ago was that, this?
15: That was in 1976 or five, 76 or five. Alicia,
8: got any questions for him?
1: Where did you go skydiving?
15: up in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, we were opening up a a store, and my assistant and I did a tandem skydive.
1: You went together yeah tandem
15: yeah. well they were we were had a they were like a four foot strap that connected us together.
1: you and him.
6: Can you? Is Lisha muted? Yeah, I'm. I was oh, muted. Aren't. Yeah, that's that's what happened. I was. Okay. What happened? All right. um, okay. Any questions well, for George? Yeah, where did you uh, meet President
15: Hubert? I met him at an award ceremony. And what was the award for? Uh, he, he gave out different awards for members of the Voice of America. They used to broadcast overseas to the Iron Curtain.
1: And to be clear, that's george herbert walker bush that is yeah. that is correct okay and what did you have to do with the voice of america how did you end up there
18: i catered the event
1: okay
8: your okay. time is up for asking questions
4: okay
1: <laughs> so okay should we uh should we consult with each other <laughs> <laughs> see no because it's
8: been... not no no it's not oh, up oh, to you on, it's up no. to the audience well, i know but i could give yeah. them
1: i could give them some insight no, because i haven't no to know, no I,
8: come
6: no, on.
1: Come on. no let you're the audience decide
6: you're not
8: allowed
1: okay it's not to nice bad. too yeah well, I just, i'm just so i know for sure that one is one of them is true uh, it's the other two that I need
8: to
2: figure out. Are you out. in the audience, Sue?
1: No,
8: I'm yeah. a. I'm a
2: question. know. so this so, is so. this is now, how right? we're
8: going to do that. Um, and I know this is going to stretch our our um, h- hosts, and I apologize. So we'll just go through the first sentence. George's first was that he met George Herbert Walker Bush. He has too many names. <laughs> <laughs> how many think we'll say? How many think that one was a lie? Raise your hands.
14: Question, please. Three, four. If we're playing five. and it's not our round, do we vote on this? Yeah, yeah. No, don't
0: bother. Oh, me. no, no. You're a contestant. Six.
14: No? Okay. Thank you. You're
8: welcome. I, I saw at least six.
0: Yeah, you got seven.
8: Okay. The next statement was that he drove a motorcycle on the interstate on. in 19. Sorry,
0: Rick. No, just let
8: us. Hold
1: start. on one second. We got to okay. make sure they all lower
0: their hands. Yeah, let's let's okay.
8: lower the hands. Okay, I'm sorry. It's
1: okay.
8: You just let me know when to move on. Okay. Are we I'm good, Rick?
0: Sure. Yep, we're good. Okay, okay.
8: The, the second statement was that he drove a motorcycle on the interstate in 1975 or 6.
0: How many think Great. that one Whoa.
8: was the lie?
1: Whoa, we got lots of people coming up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Janet Schmoyer, you cannot vote twice
8: we're looking for the lie we're looking for you to vote we're looking for you to vote for the lie
0: you got nine
11: 12 i i had do we have 12 i thought i saw 12 at the top yeah so we have seven
8: and then 12 okay we can put those hands down let me know when i should move on okay
1: okay hold on guys till we get all the hands down we good rick
8: yep okay and the last statement was that he did a tandem Skydive jump in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, with an assistant that he was working with. How many think that was the lie?
11: Okay, I saw ten? eight at the top. Uh, oh, here's nine. Sorry. Ten. I thought, yeah, I thought I counted 10 names. So most Eleven.
4: People,
11: 11.
1: 11. Uh-uh. 12. 13. That's pretty much a tie between the last
8: two. Well, thirteen to twelve. So we did. We did get one more on the last one. So George, which one's the lie? The last one. Yeah, well, George. The kn- jump. Yeah. Thank you,
4: George.
1: So <laughs> <Even> <laughs> I, have, Sue I knew. Sue knew it was the. No, sky dive. I didn't. I had a, a suspicion, but I I knew that he was a caterer, so I I thought that yeah, he probably did. New he probably George did do Fish. number one. So yeah.
8: yeah. Yeah, that's great.
1: So that's how it's done. It's as easy as that.
8: Um, our next contestant is Lisa Salinger. So she can, Lisa can unmute.
14: Okay. Um, okay. Go I'm for it, Lisa. I'm fighting with a little bit of a cough, so please excuse me. That's not one of my three. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> I am Lisa Salinger. Uh, I have a dog who is able to detect when my adrenaline levels go low and alert to that condition. Number two is um, I smuggled ivory into the United States. And number three is that I had a rose named after me. Okay. Okay. Inquisitors. Where did the ivory come from? <clears throat> West Africa. I was on a missionary trip, and I uh, was coming back, and they asked me if I had anything to declare, and I said no. And the next day, my dad read me an article out of the paper, and it said, um, effective as of whatever the day was, it was while I was gone, um, all ivory entering this country is now considered illegal. It will be seized on a fine of up to $5,000. Oh, will my gosh. Be okay. My... Okay. That's Okay. <laughs> how, how
6: did the okay how did the rose end up being named after you
14: my my maternal grandmother was into horticulture, and when I was born and they found out that I was blind, she wanted to make a quote multisensory rose mm-hmm. uh, so it is a pale pink the petals are silky soft and it has a <coughs> Excuse me. Very lovely, very strong fragrance. He uh, did not realize at the time that I had no sense of smell either. But um, it okay. That's that's enough there. there. That's
1: enough there.
14: Okay. All right.
1: Because <laughs> we need to we need to ask about the dog. So, um, sure. where did this dog
14: come from? Who trained it? Um, I have been training her, and I reinforced the skill. Uh, I have other a friend uh, and two of her. Dogs have done it and some do not. It doesn't seem like something that you can train for because you don't have a scent to give them. But if they have the ability, you can reinforce it.
8: Okay, go ahead, Alicia.
14: Okay, um, I already so,
6: um, are I don't know, (laughs) um, the the dog, how did he end up getting trained? Oh, wait, did I ask?
8: Did you just ask that?
6: sorry what kind of dog is it? Oh, that's okay you're done anyway okay. it's a little dog sorry about pomeranian. that they felt like no that's okay they ask. that's all okay. right
1: <laughs> that's pomeranian okay. she said guys pomeranian little
6: yep. dog
8: okay a little dog okay <clears throat> so lisa's um sentences were her her things about herself where she's a dog who can detect her adrenaline um shifts it's a pomeranian she has a rose named from for her. Well, I'm sorry. She smuggled ivory into the country, and she has a rose named from from her. Nobody asked her what the rose's name was. Is it just called the
14: yeah. Lisa? Lisa Marie. I would imagine. Okay. All right. Well,
8: well. okay. So let's start. Who thinks the first, um, And and some of you know Lisa, so you might know the answer to this. Who thinks the first statement is the lie?
0: How many people?
1: Whoa! Lots of people on that one. What do you see?
0: Got twelve. Twelve. Thirteen.
11: Or thirteen? Okay.
0: Okay. Oh yeah.
11: Now it's thirteen. Yep. Okay. My jaw is being slow. (laughs) Sorry.
8: Oh, you're fine. You're fine.
1: No pressure. So we'll wait. Hey, lower your hands, guys. And if you're on the stage, you can raise your hand. Guys, you just click on that more button down the bottom and it'll give you your raise hand function.
0: Okay, you're all set, guys.
8: All right. How many think Lisa's a smuggler? Uh, How many think that she's, or uh, actually I should say, how many think she's really not a smuggler? How many think that's a lie? Eight,
0: guys. Oh, Lisa, they think you're a smuggler.
8: Let's see, 12 Um, so
11: far.
0: Yeah, the FBI FBI, FBI is next door, too. (laughs) It's 12.
8: 12, so we have a tie there. Ah, Uh There goes
0: another one. 13. Okay.
8: We had 12 before or 13? It's 13. 13. This time. Okay.
4: Lower.
0: Oh, that's 14. No, it's 13. 13. Okay.
8: All right. We'll lower. Lower your hands, guys.
0: Okay, you're all. And how
8: many people do not believe that? There we go. That sweet Lisa has a rose name for her. How many people think that's a lie?
0: Boy, if this was six, you're good.
8: Six? Six, yep. Okay, I think that's the truth. Okay, Lisa,
14: tell all. I don't know if I should be awake all night with a troubled conscience because I'm a good liar. Uh, The rose. (laughs) Story. I have no earthly idea where that came from. <laughs> that is not
0: true. <laughs> no. no, you did good. But it's such a sweet story. <laughs> it
14: is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. it is. And in my story that I didn't get to finish, the day after she got the registry, you know, the official name, uh, she passed away. She did pass away <laughs> when I was young, but she was not into horticulture. That was the only. Uh, <laughs>
4: good
8: job lisa you fooled them that that's fine. for sure that was really good by a Very big margin good. too mm-hmm. okay kathy shelton all the way from oklahoma Oklahoma. Uh-huh. <laughs> we still have nine hands raised on the attendees side if you guys want to lower those
0: no they're all down
8: oh okay they're still showing oh now okay. they went away why my thing my is being so slow? Lower
1: your hand. <laughs>
17: Someone just raise their hand.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna lower. Great, right, Kath.
17: My fondest wish is to possess the Lisa Marie. <laughs> yes, it's lovely. So Lisa... Lisa and I went to school together, and so I know she'd been to Africa. I was <laughs> anyway. Um, number one, I'm nervous. <laughs> um. Number one, I played cello with a nun. Our piece was um, Here Comes the Sun. And number two, I spent a day in Australia. And number three, uh, John F. Kennedy's nephew, Tim, helped us through an airport in Rome.
6: All right, Inquisitors. Where in Australia did you go?
17: And why were you there? Um, only one day.
6: Yeah. What, yeah. Well,
17: we... We'd taken a, a cruise from Hawaii to um, Australia to Sydney and we didn't have enough money after the cruise to stay actually in Australia. So we had took our flight back like one twenty-four 24 hours later.
6: Where were you going when you met JF, um, JFK's nephew? Uh,
17: we we're going home from, um, from Italy. I can't remember the first story. <laughs> it was uh, she played
8: I, cello with a nun. And the piece was oh, "Here okay. Comes the
17: Sun." Where were you when you did that? we a recital in in Tulsa. I was taking cello lessons, and we were doing our whatever we call it when you play cello for people. <laughs> no, <years. laughs> recital. How call that a How or a recital? Recital. That's the thing. How long have you been playing the cello for? Oh, about six years. It was a. Uh, One of those goals I'd always wanted, my husband came home from the pub one night mentioning he met a guy who played the cello, and he was going to take cello lessons. And I said, oh, no, not without me. I'm playing the cello. How long was your cruise from Hawaii to Australia? Three weeks. It was one of those repositioning cruises. What did you do in Italy? What? (laughs) What did you (laughs) you do in Italy? that was another one of those cruises. It was a, it went from, from Italy and then cruised around and then came back to Italy.
6: How long was the interaction with the nephew?
17: It's like 10 minutes. There were these two guys, they're both named Tim and um, they, you know, we were, there was a big hubbub at the airport, you know, where everybody's in a mob scene and we were trying to figure out which way to go. And these guys said, can we help you? And, while we were walking over to the to our airline, I was with one and Paul was with the other. And the other said to Paul, do you know that's John Kennedy's nephew, Tim Shriver, uh, Eunice's son. Okay.
8: You're done. You're done. Your two minutes are up. We'll You're,
1: done.
8: You're done. You're <laughs> done. <laughs> All right. So her three heard three facts or not um the first one was that she played cello for a recital with a nun how many people think that's the lie i don't even know the answer to this one well i think i do and I'm, i've known her since i'm 11
17: i was only one yeah <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs>
8: what's that eight
17: ten. nine
0: ten. Ten. ten yeah I just can't picture a nun playing a cello.
1: Okay, lower your hands,
9: lower your hands.
0: <laughs> That's funny, Rick.
4: <laughs>
8: <laughs> She's tiny,
4: too.
1: Okay, okay.
8: The second sentence was that, the second fact, or not, was that she uh, was guided through the airport by... Oh, that was number three. Oh sorry. The second one was that oh Australia. that she was spent a day in Australia I apologize. Spent a day in Australia as part of a turnaround cruise recommission whatever that kind of cruise is called. How many people repositioning. Think that? Repositioning thank you Sue. What would I do without me. you?
1: You would flounder.
8: No. No I wouldn't.
1: 12. Flop <laughs> like a fish on the deck. 12. Oh, 13. 12 13. Yep.
15: 13.
0: Thirteen.
15: Okay. She wouldn't tonight. She's got a <laughs> haddock.
0: Keep lowering.
15: Keep
1: lowering. Hey, Sarita, hand down. Lisa Bush, hand down.
8: <laughs> she, she's the hand Nazi. She <laughs>
0: is. Okay. They keep Here's putting it. their hands up down.
8: Okay. Girls. And the last, the last fact or not was that she was or her husband, was guided through the airport by John Kennedy's nephew, Tim. How many people think that's a load of...
1: Of the infamous Schreiber clan.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Any more? Got eight,
1: nine. Nine? I think Mike Gravitz voted three times. <laughs>
17: nine.
8: That would be Mike Rabbit.
17: So, what uh, So okay, Kath, tell all. Uh, well, the lie was that we did not get helped in Rome by Tim Schreiber.
8: No, and I knew that because you recorded that guy's name. Um, That guy's like no, no, that was
17: another guy. That was that was a few years ago. We we met an Italian that we had the bids to come back and and uh, marry Marianne.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait,
17: let's not. I wasn't married yet. no, she was not married <laughs> at the time. That was before Will BW. Okay, thanks. I can't Cassie. believe that you only spent a day in Australia.
0: who know, only spent a
17: day in Australia?
0: Yeah, Sydney. Come on. <laughs> and it's even Sydney's beautiful.
17: It's yeah. even funnier than that because we got a guy to take us around to see the bridge and see the to go shopping, and he was from Pakistan. And the people we met in the store to help me find some Australian cookies, they were from Pakistan too. It would always <laughs> so we be cookies. didn't meet any Norwegian. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, they but you didn't just
1: go to Pakistan. Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, it would have been cheaper.
8: <laughs> thank you, Kathy. And thank you for, for stepping in and being a contestant. Sure. Thank you. Ooh. It was fun. Good. All righty, Joe Sakura. We're looking for Joe Sakura. What did you. I'm here. Perfect.
18: I think. Oh, I'm, can you hear me?
1: Yes, Joe, You, you, you wouldn't dare would lie to us, would you, Joe?
18: Well, we 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 have he to. Might. Do, we we can't, can't play this game he if can. we don't. That's right. He might just lie to you, Sue. <laughs> and I, 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 before giving my three sentences, I want to express my sympathies to you, Pittsburgh fans, for losing Ton a couple of weeks ago. I'm gonna really miss him.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's a very
18: sad situation. He, he was, he was, and I, I always remember when during the games that if, if the lineman had penalties, uh, Tunch would say that he's guilty of habeas gravis. Habeas gravis. Yep.
8: <laughs> All righty, Joe. How about it? Oh,
18: here are my three statements. Number one, I have batted wiffle balls in against the house where I I grew up. My second is I've gotten two ringers and a game of horseshoes. And my third statement is I often frighten my nieces and nephews when I play with them.
8: (laughs) Oh, all right. Inquisitors have at it.
6: What do you play with your, um, your nieces and nephews? Yeah.
1: What do you do to frighten them? Yeah.
18: Well, it's, it's very easy um my my um, niece Allie Kate just graduated from high school, and when she was little and I met her i I would walk side guy with her dad, so she thought that I was taking my dad away from her so when we would play uh, uh, Marco Polo in the pool I most of the time I would find her, so that frightened her if I ever found her you know playing Marco Polo. And how old then,
6: were you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> how old were you when you played a uh, wiffle ball against the house?
18: Uh let's say maybe uh eight to thirteen, eight to fourteen. Um my brother um first I don't know how he figured it out, but he figured out how to throw to me and he would tell me to swing and I'd hit the I'd hit the ball.
1: Now, these two ringers, did anyone else Witness them.
18: Well, mine was playing with my family, so they they would have had to have witnessed them. Mm-hmm. Did you now, win the game? Tri- no, I didn't. But that's that's the way it goes.
6: I was. How old was your brother that taught you the wiffle ball?
18: He's he's seven years older than I am. So he oh, he, he was in his. Oh, well let's see i guess maybe 19 in his teenage years
1: did you ever break a window hitting the ball
18: i i came close um i i got, ended up with a broken window because when i pitched the pitched the ball to him i threw it i threw it wide and he tried to he tried to get hit the ball and he, he put the bat in my grandfather's window <laughs>
8: Okay. Your time is up, ladies. Okay. So Joe's first fact or not was that he was able to hit a woofer ball against his house between the ages of 8 and 13 or
18: 14.
1: Did you just say a woofer ball?
18: A woofer ball. I've done it with a softball, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, Sue... (laughs) <laughs> okay, people are raising their hands. No. They think that's the lie. They don't think you ever had a whiffle
18: ball. <clears throat> well, I can I can see why you would I, I can I eight. can see why you would I, I can see eight. why you would think that.
8: So eight people did do I mean only eight people, so they kind of do think you did that. Okay, hands down. Okay. How many people think, what was the next one?
18: Uh, the, 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 the horseshoes. The, oh, yeah. The you had two ringers, ringers. in a game of
8: horseshoes. How many people think that's the lie? Twelve.
18: Twelve.
8: Okay. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. And lastly, how many people think Joe was capable of scaring his ne- nephews and nieces?
11: Let's get all the hands down first. Okay,
8: sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did it again. Oh well, they're coming up. So I uh-uh. Let's see. Well, just that everybody can Let's just see. put their hand down. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's okay. Just making your job harder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're all set.
8: All right. So the last sentence was: How many people thought think that Joe is capable of scaring his? Was it nieces and nephews or just your yes. nieces and nephews? How many people think that's the lie? Eight.
18: Yeah, I
0: guess think people
8: think they don't think scared. you're scary. Yeah. Okay, Joe, tell
18: us all. Well, the the horseshoes is, is the one. And oh. I I know the baseball one is hard to believe, but it it it's really one of those miraculous things that my brother just picked that's up fantastic. on how to how to do. And for, for, for whatever reason, you know, once he got the hang of doing it, my father could do it. And, you know, we would, we, we, would, we would, when we played baseball, we would, we would put rope, we would we would, we would put base poles for bases and ropes between the poles. And I would, I would run the bases, Ooh. you know, we would have teams and we'd run the bases. So, Awesome. I, I know it's hard to believe. And no, that that sounds like a viable solution. I'm not sure that I could, I could do it now because uh, my golf swing that I, now resembles a baseball swing. So, but I'll, <laughs> I'll always be thankful for, for that.
8: Yep, sounds and, like a um, great, great lot of fun.
18: My little thank you, Joe. In. Awesome.
8: Thanks, thanks, Joe.
18: Okay, well, I frightened him too, but thank you very much. And <laughs> thank you. It's been you. great to be with all of you this weekend.
8: Well, listen in. We have more to learn about our peers, mostly how good they can lie. <clears throat> Sandy, <laughs> are you with us, Sandy? I'm here. All right, all right, Sandy. It's your turn.
5: Okay. Number one, I rolled my I roll yeah. Excuse me. I rode my first roller coaster at 19. Number two, my middle name is D, named after Sandra D. Thanks. Number number three, I shouldn't say it like that. I wasn't named after her. Um, is my middle name D is the question. Is that a lie or not? Okay. Mm-hmm. Number three, will we married 25 years this next this coming October? And we went on our honeymoon to Alaska on a cruise. Okay. We married 25 years. went to Alaska.
8: Okay. okay. Where did you now. go?
6: Where did you go to ride the roller coaster when you were 19 years old? Hershey Park. Um, how long was the roller coaster ride?
5: Well, I don't know how long this was the super duper looper ride. However long that was, what, like a minute uh-huh. and a half to two, maybe? What did you see in Alaska? Um, we got to see the whale. We did a whale watching excursion and I got uh-huh. to... Try and hear some of the whales, but you they are they're, they're a little harder they're not like dolphins, they're not as loud.
1: When and this mythical husband, what is his name? <laughs> Thomas?
5: Thomas? <laughs> what year did no. you get married? <laughs> what did you say to year-
6: <laughs> I was oh, it was Lisha, but I was trying to say what year did you get married? Because you were saying twenty five, so I was nineteen ninety
8: six.
5: Well, at least we know yeah. she can
8: do math. She remembers yeah. her anniversary, before <laughs> she can do math.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this middle name—how do you spell it?
5: D E E.
1: And did you get teased about it in school?
5: Yes. Because? Because, people felt that my parents named me after Sandra D. And a lot as as I was growing up, of course, Greece mm-hmm. came out. And that was a, a more of an incentive for people to say, you know, look at me, I'm Sandra D. You know, you you don't make, you don't do, you're Miss Goody Two Shoes. Mm-hmm. And I was known that for quite some time. Who are you actually named never... after?
6: You are, are you actually, who are you named after your middle name? Is it in fact Sandra D or something?
5: No, I was not named after Sandra D. But the question oh, is my middle name D. Uh,
6: your what time's was, up. Okay, you're, okay. Oh,
5: okay. Okay. All
1: right. I know. I clearly know the lie
5: here.
1: Yeah. Clearly. (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of okay.
8: The first. The first.
1: She's not a very good liar.
8: The well, that's a good thing, right? The first story is that she wrote her first roller coaster at nineteen. How many people think that's the lie? Took you a long time to get brave, Sandra (laughs) D. Oh, I'm not the
4: girl
5: I used to be. I'll tell you that. <laughs> are you serious? Five
8: only that many, 5. Only that many 5 people think you're lying that? about that.
5: Oh
0: my god.
8: Wait till those hands go down. All set. How many people think her name is really Sandra D or how many people think that she's really not Sandra D? That's the question. How many people think she's not really Sandra D? Sandra D
1: is a lie. <laughs> Who's saying it's a lie? <laughs> To think it's allowed. a lie? You're not allowed an opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not well, allowed. She's not allowed an opinion. I was just restating more clearly what you're asking <laughs> them to do.
8: How many people think she's not Sandra Dean? That that's
0: boy, a lie. Boy, she's setting a record with this one. 19.
8: Yeah. <laughs>
4: Eight,
8: 18 <was> it? 18? <laughs> she should get an extra prize. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, how many how people? How many came think up you, for that one? How many came up for the oh, second one? We'll wait until their hands are down. 18 people 18, think you're lying 18. about oh, that. Great. Think you're lying about that one. Okay. Wait till those. That's a. We have to wait a while till those hands go down. <laughs> yeah. <Bunch them> there.
0: <laughs> okay. You're all set, Sandra. Oh,
8: that was quick. <laughs> the last lady that she's married for
0: 25. Hey, Doug, cue up that song. We should have
1: done this uh, <laughs> for <a> Zoom practice. <laughs> you in, you in, you in, you yeah,
8: right? This is a great Zoom practice. <laughs> How many people think she's married to the elusive Tom? Well, how many people think she's not really married to the elusive Thomas and didn't go to Alaska on her honeymoon? <laughs> <laughs> That's
4: kind anyway, of a
8: two-part. Yeah, no, Somewhere. I know. We'll figure she. One part's true; the other's got to be true. How many people think she's lying about her? Nine. Mm. Nine people. Okay, Sandra D. What's the
5: truth? What's the lie? <laughs> my, my middle name, yes, I'm Sandra D. My middle name is D. Yes, that's correct, unfortunately. It's Guys. It's Guys.
4: Well, I it's think fun. she gets <laughs> No, no, no.
5: It's the third one. I've never been to Alaska. Don't have a darn to care to go to Alaska. We went to um, the Bahamas. And okay. <laughs> <where our honeymoon. laughs> how many years are you married? No, 25. That's oh. true. Didn't you see the shout out in the program? No, I, I it's in that. there. I missed it. Yeah. I don't think See don't if you read your
1: program see. you would have yeah, saw I, that. See that's one of those that's one of those tricky she just walk I <laughs> it,
19: isn't it? I think
5: so <laughs> far Sandy I think, gets
11: yeah, I'm, the, Sandy I gets the
5: I'm Sandra D. I'm Sandra D and my middle my sister is Candice K and we are oh. twins.
11: That's funny. Uh, Which is why I'm
5: blind. So, yeah. so honestly, God, answer, she, so the third she has was fooled
8: a... the most people. Or third, she
4: has. The third one was a
20: good was... answer and a bad when answer.
13: When you when you said yeah. you were married 25 years, I knew that was true. So you I knew, it, assumed... Kathy, because
20: you were at the wedding. Yeah, you were at the wedding. Yeah.
13: Yeah. Harry and
8: I were there. Yeah. Thank she you there, very yeah. much for yeah. participating, madam. You
4: did a great <laughs> job you, there. Yeah, oh, thank you a lie. So <laughs>
5: Thanks, Doug.
6: (laughs) All right, number
8: six contestant, and then this round will be over, and we'll change inquisitors. Our number six contestant is Melissa Carney. Hello, everyone. See how well our DOE can lie. (laughs) 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 Go for it. Hello, everyone.
12: This is Melissa, your director of outreach and engagement. Here are my statements. I fell off a horse and fractured my tailbone when I was eight years old. Ouch. I hate Coke, any type of Coke, diet Coke, whatever. Oh, no
1: wonder I don't like you.
12: <laughs> <laughs> this is so evil. <laughs> and I played the bass drum in a fife and drum corps. Ooh. All
19: right.
17: Bass drum and fife
8: and All right, Inquisitors. How about it? Where was this fife and, bomb and
12: drum uh This Where was in this was w- this was let's see from when I was about six years old to ten years old. I played in Connecticut.
6: Where were you when you were riding the horse?
12: I was in off? I was in a ring, and another horse got way too close to mine and spooked her, and I was bucked off.
1: What was the second one? She
8: hates coke. <laughs> Any? Oh, coke.
6: you got that yeah. rap no. I can ask a question. Um, what is your favorite drink?
12: Milk, actually.
6: What is
12: it that you don't like about Coke? I hate the flavor. I think it's it's so thick and sugary and, and just absolutely disgusting. So, you don't like any soda? I like ginger ale.
6: Was the drumming um, a thing a competition?
12: Um. No, it was a series of different parades that we went to around the country. Um, so we went to some in Yorktown, in Virginia. We did a couple of parades throughout New England, and and took a lot of trips like that. I'm a lousy inquisitor.
1: I forget the horse. Um. Oh yeah, the horse. How um, long were you in the hospital for that one?
12: um i actually wasn't in the hospital for that all they said is you're gonna have to sit on one of those donut cushions for a while um you're gonna be uncomfortable but there's really not much we can do to heal it you're gonna have to let it heal on its own all they could recommend was things to make me feel more comfortable as it healed you ladies are
8: done Ah, you ladies are done (laughs) all right (laughs) (laughs) okay so her um first fact or not was that she fell off a horse and broke her poor wee tailbone how many people think that's a lie there's three so far three okay wow (laughs) okay wait till those go down all set okay that was simple how how many people think that she hates coke of any kind how many people think she doesn't hate Coke? How many people think she really likes Coke? How many people think she's lying? So about she her? says she, she says she hates, hates it. Coke. So how many people think no, that her distaste well. for Coke is a lie? Wish I could raise my hand.
1: We yeah, have lots of hands coming up. Twelve.
8: Twelve. Twelve people think you're lying about that. And lastly, how many people think she played? What did it? But oh, I'm sorry and what kind of drum was it Melissa Before they're while they're putting hands down bass drum in the Fife and Drum Corps okay. thank you okay.
4: Okay. okay
8: how many people think she did not how many people think she's lying about having played the bass drum in the Fife and Drum drum corps how many people think that's the lie
0: the bass drum is a big mother drum so
8: yeah and she was only six yeah But she seems like a pretty sturdy lady. (laughs) (laughs) And she's musical.
12: 14. Okay, Melissa, tell us. So, I did play the bass drum. I do hate coats. I did fall off a horse, but I never broke my tailbone. I've never broken a bone in my body. Oh,
1: oh, tricky. Okay.
12: You
8: also were a
0: good liar. So
1: you got a lot of people fooled on that one.
0: You did. You're you're the first person I've ever met that hates Coke.
12: No, I don't like it. It, It's it's pretty common. I don't love Coke. (laughs) I don't like it either.
8: I'm with her on that. I don't like any. Me too. No cola. Good job, Melissa. Okay, we're gonna switch inquisitors. So I need Londa. Is Londa here? She. I am. Hi, there she is. <laughs> and Mike, grab it. Are you
4: here? <laughs> Hi, Doug.
16: <laughs> that wasn't me.
4: <laughs>
8: Mike, I think it
11: was. was a, no, is Mike, grab here? He is he here. He, he, he raised his hand. <laughs> Can we move Mike
8: is, is here. He raised his hand, but it's gone now, so I don't know.
1: He would be a... a Mike, fooling. can you use your analyst invitation and come in on that side? Okay. John is raising her.
11: Now we have two people that have their hands raised.
8: Well, Jonna um, is his Open wife. Donna. She needs to come over, too. And okay. Carla Hayes, are you here? She
18: wasn't here.
8: I'm here. Okay. Carla's here. And Peggy Garrett. I'm looking for Peggy Garrett.
0: Yeah, Peggy's on the attendee. Side. Okay, so okay,
8: hold on here, yeah, yeah. Mike.
13: Okay, Mike, you should be able to talk now to unmute.
21: Okay, I'm unmuted. I okay. Right. John,
8: yeah. didn't have so. a um a panelist link, so she needs to be brought over to this side. Okay.
0: Okay, I just she found, needs to
8: cross the divide.
0: I just found Peggy and Okay, thank her. you. Can you bring her over, Rick? I'm gonna try.
8: What I did I just unmuted um Mike because
0: Yeah, I promoted him though. I think he's okay. over there now. Oh okay. yeah, he joined the meeting. I heard just heard that he joined us. Yep.
8: Oh here's Jonna. Um
13: she.
21: I've been
8: You've been promoted, Mike.
13: Sorry, okay. I was
21: having issues with the other thing. Okay. Things,
8: so. Jonna, I've tried to promote you to being a panelist. So good luck. If you get the request, please say that you will.
0: And Peggy, you may be getting a request saying that we're trying to promote you. So you have. To
8: yes. Get... Can you hear me now? Okay. Jonna just got
4: here.
0: Yeah. Hi, Peggy. Yeah.
8: Hi, Rick. Hi, Peggy. Okay. We have Peggy. We have Jonna. I know Will is here. Right, Will? Are you there? I am. Okay, and Matthew Johns is he here?
0: Okay. I think Becky just went across.
8: Yep, I heard her. It she is. just she just joined us. That's gonna be okay. On. i I'm Start
21: my video button here. Okay, okay. That on the other one. I guess I didn't need it.
8: Matthew Johns. Okay, Matthew Johns. I think. And Rose, it. are you on there the
22: Matt, right there. Are you already. I am here. Okay.
8: He just raised his hand. He did. Okay.
0: Okay, Matt, we just tried to promote you. If you got a message you gotta say, yep. I think he just went.
1: is that like going to heaven or something?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, there he is.
8: All right, everybody's like,
1: here.
0: Sometimes you get sometimes, an sometimes Sue, sometimes you've you get been, lost in the ether, you know.
8: You've been touched by the Rick Angel. <laughs> and sometimes like tonight, it works really well. So yeah. thank you. Okay. All right. So our new um, inquisitors are Londa Peterson and Michael Gravit. And our first contestant is Carla Hayes. Go for it, Carla. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, we can.
13: Well, this is going to be very hard to come clean tonight. But my <laughs> first number one, you're going to throw me out of a of PCB when you hear me. But number one, <laughs> I I went to jail twice. And number two, I prepared the Feast of the Seven Fishes, which is La Festa dei Sette Pesci for my Italian class. Did you do that in jail? And um, <laughs> <laughs> then number three, I, um, I spent $2,000 for a bottle of wine.
8: Oh, right. These are all outrageous. <laughs> okay.
19: Inquisitors, have at it. You have two minutes. Well, what was your crime? What? What? Why did you go to jail?
13: It was um, getting, taking money from people. And when all was said and done, it got up to about $1,000. She
21: used to buy the half bottle of wine.
13: And he's the 2000 for the bottle of wine.
21: Yeah. Uh, so when you were at jail, you were actually on... Were you a visitor, or were you actually behind bars?
13: I was behind bars, and I was behind bars twice, yeah. two different
19: occasions, for taking money, for stealing God. money.
0: Watch your pockets, everybody! <laughs> robbing people blind. Huh? So
19: what is the feast of the seven
13: fishes? Well, it's um, it. It includes. Um, at least seven fishes and the ones you could like anchovies you could have whiting lobster sardines or bacala which is dry yeah. salt cod or you could have smelts and eel yeah, smelts. or squid mm-hmm. Or Mm. octopus and shrimp, mussels. You don't have all of those. And clams you could also have. And it can also include pasta and, you know, pasta and vegetables and some kind of baked goods. And, of course, wine, which is why I needed that $2,000 and only made it halfway Uh, with it. That was a very
21: well-rehearsed answer
19: there. (laughs) So, So I take it you're a good cook. What's that? So I take it you're a good cook.
13: Well, I didn't say how the feast turned out.
21: <laughs> what was the name of the wine?
13: White's infidel. Where was it?
21: From? Was this not How did it come to be that you pay that much on a bottle of wine that isn't worth that much?
13: Well, because I get my groceries from, you know, delivery from Giant Eagle and they won't deliver it to you. And I wanted the wine for the Feast of the Seven Fishes. And just because I like to have a glass of White Zinn every once in a while. And I'm sort of shy about asking my friends, hey, would you pick me up some wine? You know, they might look down on me for that. And, you know, when did giant
21: should... eagle begin delivering wine, uh, they, uh, they that's, don't. That's a problem. You're out of time. You're out of time.
8: Mike, you're out Hello. of time inquisitors thank you
21: <laughs> this
8: is very interesting i am this is this is very interesting okay so um <clears throat> how many th- people think that carla is lying about having gone to jail twice how many people think that's a bunch of bull
12: <laughs> if we're not in this round can we vote or no you can Yay, if yeah sure yeah sure
8: Okay, awesome. It's got to be a lot of people. Twelve. Twelve.
0: Twelve.
8: Okay. Um, We'll wait till those hands go down.
0: I guess her reputation precedes her. Okay, all hands are down.
8: All right. How many people think she prepared the Feast of Seven Fish, which is magnificent. I've done it. No, or did or didn't, didn't or didn't. How many people think she yeah. didn't prepare the feast of seven fish? How many people think that's a fish story? <laughs> a couple.
0: Yeah, you're pretty believable on this one. Six.
8: Six. Okay. Wait till those hands go yeah, down. Yeah, it wasn't seven. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> Okay. All right. And last but not least, how many people think that Carla would never spend $2,000 on a bottle of wine? How many people think that's hunky?
7: Can you vote twice?
1: No. Vote <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally.
21: twice. Yeah, then, they're all alive. Oh. Did you count me on the
0: panelist side? Yes, oh, I don't know. I... Yeah, we're counting the panelists, yes. Okay. All right, so 10? okay all right
8: Carla okay um, inquiring minds want to know
13: okay I'm going to get thrown out of PCB for being a questionable person but number (laughs) two is not true I've always wanted to do the face of the seven fishes um, and I thought about doing it for the Italian class but when I got into the project it just got too daunting so I did something I did a musical thing instead
8: so that's the, what's not true. You didn't prepare the feast. As you are. I ready.
21: knew that answer sounded no, light. no, rehearsed. No, no how how much,
0: the jail. How, I got How a, much, how much yeah? wine had you already had when you bought that bottle? None. <laughs> that's <laughs> why For I $2, needed it. Two thousand
2: dollars. <laughs>
13: But the jail, oh it's, it's what I want to know about the jail, um, the first time I went to jail, I was eight years old. My best friend's father was a policeman, and I wanted to see the inside of a jail, so he took me to the county jail, which was empty, and he locked oh me God. in a cell, let me play around in there for a while. Ooh. The second time, I went to jail for a muscular dystrophy, <laughs> and they put up a jail cell in a restaurant, and I got $1,000 for people. I actually got people to sponsor me for $1,000. So, so you really did get it then. <laughs> And then, <laughs> well, I'll tell you about the wine, too. I did really spend $2,000 for a bottle of wine. I was at um, a our local association auction, and they gave us um, up to, they gave us two thousand dollars worth of play money to bid on auction basket <laughs> prizes, and the only one I was really interested in was the bottle of bottle of wine, and it came up near the end, and so I saved it for that. And everybody else had already spent everything, so I just put my whole two thousand dollars of fake money into the yeah, um, she, b- basket. She,
0: did, she, did, she didn't say money. what denomination, so you she know. did
21: not. Oh. She did not. Our bad. Wow. That
18: that didn't ask the right
21: question. We are very bad as it visitors, aren't That's really right. You could have oh, said, that
8: was was that game. Monopoly money? Was that real money or fake money? Yeah, It was fake yeah. money. Yeah. All but right. It, this is one of my favorite games. I love this game. Thank you, Carly. You did a great job.
11: Thank you. That
15: was good.
8: <laughs> We're looking for Peggy Garrett. I am here. Hi, Peggy. Hi. Okay. Um, You're up.
11: Okay. My three statements are, number one, as a child... I was the skate queen of my neighborhood. Number two is that I learned to play chess and beat a person who had been playing chess for over 20 years when I had only been playing for less than two years. And number three is that I participated in the Midnight Express one, run and I took first, second, and third place consec And in, in that, uh, well, third, second, and first in a row. Hey, okay. no.
15: right, inquisitors, go for <laughs> it. Can I call her husband and Michael and ask, her, ask him about this?
11: <laughs> he wasn't around.
19: <laughs> but this race that you won all three places was that. All it,
11: all in the same year, or was it different years? Three years in a row, I won third place, first, second place, and first place.
21: What's your favorite chess move?
11: Queen and the rook left rook pocket a left rook space.
21: I have no idea what she just said. I don't play chess, so.
11: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
19: roller skating or ice skating,
11: roller skating.
19: Okay. And was this a formal contest or was it just your neighborhood just said, you're, oh, she's really good. We're going to make her skate queen. Or was this a formal contest?
11: No, it wasn't formal. It was just my neighborhood. Um, so did
19: you do moves or just you just skated around the rink?
11: Skated around the rink. We skated on our playground at our school. We put, skated on our street where there was a really high hill. Um,
21: how, many, how many pieces are there for each player in a game of chess?
14: 12.
19: So this person that you beat in chess, were you, did you ever beat him again
11: or was it just a one-off? It was a tournament and we played three games in a row i never uh, played him again after that day. Okay, she's you guys are done. Thank you, Inquisitors.
0: Now, this is tough because Peggy doesn't lie.
11: It was tough. <laughs> it was tough.
4: <laughs>
11: it was tough.
8: <clears throat> All right. Her first statement was that she did a lot of skating in, in her neighborhood. Rinks and playgrounds and the street with the big hill and they deemed her the skate queen. Is that a lie? Four. 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 Okay. All right. Wait till those hands goes down.
0: Okie doke.
8: Alrighty. How many people think she could not have possibly played chess against a 20-year chess veteran when she'd only been playing for two years? How many people think that is Sixteen.
21: Sixteen. All right.
8: I know why why that is.
21: Wait till those hands go down. Yeah, sixteen. That sounds like a very chessy kind of number. A lot
8: of people think she's not telling the truth about that. (laughs) Okay, all down. All right. Last but not yeah, least, how yeah. many people think she couldn't possibly have won three years in a row Sorry, just won it twice. participating <laughs> in the Midnight Express? How many people think that is untrue?
0: Five. So overwhelmingly, we
11: think your your second statement is the lie. Tell us all, Peggy. I I really did win three years in a row, a place in those places three years in a row in the Midnight Express. I was a horrible skater.
4: Oh.
11: (laughs) But I really did win at chess. But it was because he had a migraine (laughs) headache. But I did win.
21: Oh
4: yeah, so well, what, what was that pieces. again?
7: What was yeah. that again about the chess? He had a migraine.
11: I, 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 <laughs> the, the guy that I was playing had a migraine, and that's the only way I beat him.
21: But there are thirty-two pieces, yeah, sixteen on each side. That's, how,
11: that's how good That's are. Yeah, you got yeah, a point there. I, I really was was didn't a... remember. I haven't played chess in <laughs> over twenty years. This was in the eighties when I. That's why. I, that's
8: why everybody thought you were telling. A fib, yeah, because there are yeah. thirty. Nope. But I, yeah, because no, I, I haven't
21: played chess in twenty-five years. I'm like, there's sixteen pieces on each side. Yeah, I couldn't good. think That's, how many. Sorry about that. I, but... Yeah, it's been a long <laughs> time. Okay.
0: <Wow>. okay. <laughs> if she's trying to trick you, then she's not going to answer that. You right. fooled
17: a wow. lot of people. You, you're almost you almost fooled as it. many <laughs> as Sandra D. I could sense <laughs> she was just nervous and gave the wrong number. That's that what oh, you yeah, thought. And yeah, and I, I apologize,
11: but it's been a long time since I played, I, and I I didn't remember. That's when okay you asked It, it uh,
8: <gasps> contributed to the whole ability of your your ability to fool everybody. So, almost as good as Sandra D.
11: <laughs> almost.
8: <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next contestant yes, is me. John Agrabbit and Mike. Don't you give anything away when you're in oh, the no, i won't. Don't worry. As right.
23: I- <laughs> a matter of fact, go on mute. Hi, how are you? Good.
8: How are you tonight?
23: Can do some good.
8: <laughs> Yeah.
23: Yeah. Sure All right. Why not? All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Go for it. I am Jonna Gravit, and my first statement is: three years in a row, I went on the same cruise, same ship, and stayed in the same cabin. Second statement is. I actually no longer work with Fender Consulting Services. I now work with Fender Leadership Academy, teaching digital accessibility classes. Third statement is, I have averaged over two and a half books a week of reading since January, and I am well over 70 books.
16: Was
8: that mm-hmm. two two 2.5 books a week? <laughs> it's roughly. Okay. okay. All right.
19: All right. All right, Inquisitors, go for it. Okay, these books, are you reading them in Braille or audio? Audio. Okay, and are you listening at normal speed, or how fast are you listening to them?
23: Normal speed.
11: Uh-huh.
19: Why? Um, <laughs> do you listen while you do, while you do th- other
23: things, or are you just... I listen to them every chance I get, so yes, I
19: multitask. Okay, so this new job, when did that, when did that start? July. July, and, and what kind of things do you teach as part of that?
23: I'm teaching digital accessibility. And basically what that is, is teaching individuals that use screen readers, how to test mobile and websites for accessibility violations. Then I'm also <laughs> teaching them how to use the NVDA screen reader.
19: I forget what the first statement was.
23: It was three years in the same, on the same cruise, the same
19: places, the same cabin. Now, did you reserve that like on purpose or did this just kind of happen? On purpose. Was there a reason for that? Did you, what was your reason for that?
8: Oh, uh, oh you're done. First... Sorry. Sorry. You can't even answer that. I wasn't even paying attention. Okay. I was so enthralled. <laughs> no problem. I wasn't paying attention. Okay. All right. How many people think that John is telling a lie about having been on three cruises to the same destination, the same cruise ship, the same cruise cabin, three years in a row? How many people think that's a bunch of bull? Eight. Eight? Eight. Wait till those hands go down. (laughs) Okey-doke. How many people do not believe that Jonna is no longer working for Bender Consulting, rather she is working for the Academy where she teaches digital, Bender Academy where she teaches digital accessibility? How many people think that's not true? Six. 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 Okay. And how many people think she could not possibly be reading 2.5 books a week. Hold on just one second. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't put your hands up yet. My bad. Okay. Okay. Smack those hands down. How many people think it's just impossible that she could be reading 2.5 books a week at normal speed? Six.
23: So, where are all the people, go? Yeah, where are all the people? Um, okay, Jonna, you're on. Okay, well, according to my Goodreads profile, back in January, I set my reading goal for 75 books for this year. I have already surpassed it. I am now reading book 78. Mm -hmm. And the cruises, Mike and I did go on three cruises together. Same cruise each year, same cabin. Yeah. The Bender Leader. Yes. (laughs) The Bender Leadership. I know you did. I know. And I was chuckling when you were talking about the books, Sue, because I, didn't, I, thought you, I thought you were like, you didn't read that. There's no way you read that many books. Oh, I <laughs> read at I least that a week. That read I thought that was time. true. So the Bender Leadership Academy, um, I didn't quit Bender Consulting Services, but I now do work for Bender Consulting Services and teach for Bender Leadership Academy. But I didn't quit Bender. So,
8: because we see your emails, they come from vendor consulting. So, they do,
23: they do, but I, because I, I do not have a vendor leadership academy email address yet. Okay. That's going to be finalized in September once I take on the teaching role. See, I did one teaching class in July, but they're, they want me on um, all of their digital accessibility classes now. Well, you're a convincing so liar
8: because you didn't really get anybody. There's no overwhelming um, consensus, so you're a good liar. <laughs> if that's any yeah, if that's any uh, yeah,
6: that's, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really proud of that. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, you couldn't couldn't be
8: less proud than I mean, You know, look at you know Sandra D and Carla over there. <gasps>
23: <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, it was, I was laughing because I knew her middle name was D. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is going to be fun." <laughs> it was. It was a lot of fun. Okay,
8: thank you, Jonna.
23: <laughs> thank you. Thank
8: Got you. Under a D. Okay, William Grignon, is he on
15: board? Yes, I am.
6: Hello.
8: Number one.
15: Number hello. Number one. In 1990, I was awarded a vice presidential scholarship. My professor asked me, "Wow, who do you know to get that?" And I said, "George Bush." Two, I bungee jumped off a bridge in New Zealand. Three, when my friend and I were in London, we were going towards Madame Tussauds and a side door opened and we were beckoned in and treated like celebrities. Oh,
8: they're all kind of unbelievable.
4: Yeah.
8: All right. (laughs) How many people think that Will won the in 1990 hello are we not gonna
21: get to examine him wow this is the abridged
8: sorry i'm getting tired i'm punchy here
21: like the go bonus round
8: and
6: yeah right
19: and go (laughs) (laughs) go for it so how do you know george w bush how did you meet him well in
15: 1990 i introduced him (laughs) in a national speech contest and i won and then two days later, it's kind of funny, um, we got a call at the house and my mother picked up the phone and then she slammed it down and it rang again and she slammed it down. And finally, she picked it up and she handed it to me, he goes, hey, here, it's for you. I, I don't believe this. And I pick up the phone, I go, hello. And he goes, hello, this is George Bush. How are you doing? And he said, I saw your speech and I was very impressed. At, you know. And we talked for a while and he said, is there anything I can do? And I said, yes, yeah, so I applied for this. Vice presidential scholarship, and can you put in a good word for me? And he did.
21: At that time, he was president, not vice president, yeah, but, right? No, but it was a Dan Quayle,
15: was, it, the vice president issues these scholarships, and it was Dan Quayle who was supervising it. So I had George Bush give me a good word with uh, Dan Quayle.
19: Oh. So I'm trying to remember
21: what the other two statements. Bungee jumping. Bungee jumped from a what, bridge. Why did you go to New Zealand? Oh, uh, it was a,
15: you know one of these uh, see New Zealand in two weeks. Um, it was over a river, 350 feet. I had to step on a little platform, and they wrapped my legs, and then they started counting down: four, three, two, one, jump. And I'm like, an which idiot. island count- in New
21: Zealand were you on? Uh, it was in Queenstown. It was the South Island.
15: And uh, like an idiot, I jumped and I said, oh, I've just made the most grievous error of my life.
17: (laughs) Apparently not. Ask about London.
21: I didn't understand the third thing. Something about London.
17: London, yes. We're walking down
15: towards Madame Tussauds to go in. And there was a side door and it opened and I had my white cane. And evidently somebody saw us. And they waved us in and they have this ride inside with these uh, like antique cars and they stopped the ride and let me get in. And then we went through the ride and then they escorted me through the museum and I could touch all the, um, the, you know, the mannequins, the, uh, you know, they had, uh, who was it there? Clinton. And, you know, all the the celebrities. And.
8: Okay. You're done. Stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Now we can take. We can raise hands. So how many people think it's just too unbelievable that Will was given the um, vice presidential scholarship in 1990 by Dan Quayle and that George that Herbert Walker Bush set that up for him? How many people think that's a load of stuff? Six. Seven. Oh, eight. Seven. Yep, eight. eight. Okay. Wait for those hands to go down. Nine. Nine. Okay. Is that it? Nine. Seems to be. Okay. We'll wait for those hands to go down. Because they're okay. all putting them down. Now.
0: Okay, okay. They're, they're all down.
8: Alrighty. How many people think he could not have possibly, <laughs> would not have possibly bungee jumped from 350 feet above a river? How many people think that's just too unbelievable? glad he has life insurance. (laughs) Eight. Eight. And lastly, when those hands go down. Okey-doke. Okay, how many people think that getting invited into Madam to Swords would be just it's just too unbelievable.
21: I'm still trying to figure out what the heck that even is. So am I, am I the only Eight. one here that has? <laughs>
22: it's
8: its a three-way tie. Well, no, more people think you didn't. Okay, Will, tell all.
15: Number one is the lie. Actually, it happened to my uh, study partner in uh, law school. <laughs>
8: <laughs> oh right, and and that was um, the most people thought you were lying about that, so you didn't fool yeah. anybody. Yeah.
15: No, he can lie like lie. Sandra
5: D. <laughs> Wait, Will, Will,
7: they allowed you to touch the wax figures?
15: Yep. Yeah, I can't yep. believe that. <laughs> I, I, I
4: can't I believe. I can't believe. Good
15: And um, there were all these sighted people going, "Hey, welcome. You can touch them."
7: he would
4: say he's blind oh, I, I, <laughs> can't I believe the they would device.
15: allow you to do that <laughs>
7: I,
4: I, I can't right?
15: believe it
7: alright
8: our alive? next contestant is Matthew Johns are you uh, here still hello hi Matthew
20: hello, hello. Are, are you ready, ready? yes alright let's hear it my first one is I have dated a woman 42 years older than I. My second, I ingested three spoonfuls of dish detergent as punishment. My third, a friend and I were scammed and and uh legos Nigeria right was the forty
21: two was... year old woman older than you the one that made you eat the detergent
1: <laughs> 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 and the one that scammed you in legos <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
21: uh, what was your favorite what was your favorite thing about Nigeria?
20: Mm-hmm. um Uh My favorite thing was that pastor, uh, a pastor by the name of Chris, but his last name is very hard to pronounce. He has a healing school in Nigeria. Hmm.
21: How old were you and you dated the woman 42 years older than you? I was 24. That would have made her how old? 60. Oh, sorry. So you were
20: really confused. Really? (laughs) She was 66.
19: So the dish detergent uh, how (laughs) how sick did it
20: make you? It actually didn't. It tasted disgusting, but it really didn't affect me all that much.
21: The brand wasn't. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you follow detergent?
20: Uh. Because I was misbehaving by vulgarity.
8: Okay. He doesn't have to answer any more of your questions. You're done. Thank you, Matthew. We're going to vote now. All righty. How many people think that it's impossible that this, that as a young man, probably a very handsome young man dated a woman 42 years older than himself. How many people think that's
21: baloney
17: yeah, ah, he's, this he's, means there's still hope for a 64 year old
21: how come doug is not playing here as the you mrs robinson i don't know nine nine okay nine,
8: nine. You,
21: granny robinson
8: okay how many people how many people think he actually how many people think he could not have possibly um ingested three spoonfuls of dish soap and that he was punished in that way this nice man nine again nine all right lastly, how many people think that he was in Nigeria and was scammed? How many people think that's a lie? Oh, no.
4: mm-hmm.
8: My hand raised. There it is. Wow. Nineteen. Nineteen. Oh, you may be, you may get the prize yet if this turns out to be your your uh, okay. All right. Tell us all, Matthew,
20: which of those um, is not true. The one where I was with a friend in Nigeria, and we both got scammed. So you—that
8: was. (laughs)
20: Thank you. I have never been out of the U.S.
8: Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, that's um. Actually, you 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 um actually. Didn't fool that many people because a lot of people thought you didn't go to Nigeria and get scammed. So but good but job. Thank
17: you. The older women do it better. <laughs>
4: uh
20: Lois and I. Yeah,
8: don't don't tell them. No, no, yeah. yeah we weren't it. really asking that question. We've got a, a bunch of hands up still, but yeah. I think... Well, Unraise just-
21: um, your hands, keep We're, we're, we're going to make Kathy she mute herself. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> huh? What, Marianne?
8: Not you, Here's not, you. They cook- not you, oh, Kathy. They
21: cook better. <laughs> Next, Marianne.
8: Okay, last contestant. Rose Martin.
22: Rose
4: <laughs> is...
22: But- <laughs> okay. I love uh, you. Bro. Hey. Hello. Hi, Desi. Waze. Hey <laughs> Rose. Hey Kato. <laughs> Desi and I were in seeing Eye together. I looked at her and I was like, wait a minute. Uh okay. Yes, we so. were. But we still have hands raised, you
8: guys. Lower those hands. Put your hands down. Down.
21: We're gonna Or on deodorant one. I don't know.
1: Okay. <laughs>
22: Hey, Rose. Hand, you're sure?
1: Yes, Sue. Did you get my email about
22: tomorrow? Oh, I didn't answer you. Yes, I did. Sorry. Oh, no, did you okay. get it? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. All uh, okay. right. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh,
11: okay. They're down all the way on one side.
22: Right, let me go. Look Panels. One. Yeah, they're down. Everybody's okay. down.
8: All right, Rose. Okay. Let's go for it. Number
22: one. <laughs> I broke my arm. And also got chicken pox, so then there was chicken pox under my cast. This was when I was two and a half. Number two, I met Apollo Ono, the Olympic speed skater, when I was in high school. Number three, I once stayed in a tiny house in the French Alps.
19: Mm. All right, go for it, Inquisitors. So where were you when you met the speed skater?
22: So he, I was at the school that my sister was a social worker at because it was a program where he was telling the kids to not drink or do drugs. And I convinced my mom to let me leave high school and go to the speech. And somehow she agreed. And then I got a picture with him. He was solid muscle, by the way.
4: Mm -hmm.
21: (laughs) Mm -mm. Also
22: a very tiny man. Okay.
21: Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um. I, I, yeah, I don't know where to go. With that one. Where, where? How did you? <laughs> how did you break your arm? Um. You to kill that man's muscle.
22: This was <laughs> playing on the standard, playing on the swing set in my parents' backyard. You know, when you're the youngest of nine, you're bound to break a bone at some point. So that was the first, and then I got chicken chickenpox. Hmm. also Uh, used a pencil to try to scrape out you know scratch so that yeah yeah that wasn't great
21: so tell me about this little house
22: so i no no it was in the french alps so it was there for the world cup a few years ago and then we took a few days in between games and went for a quiet switch of scene and it was a literal tiny house in the French Alps and I was initially terrified because my sister didn't tell me that it was just a t- house on a road she just said be really careful and I thought it was like on a cliff so I was tentatively going up about 40 steps and then she said oh sorry it's just on a hill that's the road so but it was awesome
8: okay you're done all right wow wow uh- yeah these, this is hard I think it's chicken pox <laughs> <laughs> because- <laughs> <laughs> it's George. we can hear you <laughs> okay how many people think it's unlikely how many people think the how many lie people is- agree with
1: George it's
8: chicken pox. <laughs> Yeah. how many people think that the lie is that poor little wee thing broke her arm and then got chicken pox underneath her cast on top of all that we're under all that. <laughs> How many people think that's the lie? Lots of people. Eleven. Eleven.
6: Yep, eleven.
8: Not getting a lot of sympathy there, Rose. Mm-hmm. How many people think she met Crowd. Apollo? <clears throat> Mr. Muscle. Wait, we're not... Oh, oh, right, right. Stop. Everybody put your hands down. You
0: guys <laughs> down.
8: Put your hands down.
0: They're all down huh. now.
8: Hands okay. down. Okay. How many people think she met Apollo? The little muscle man.
21: <laughs> That's not a nickname I'd want. <laughs> <laughs> well, she said he was a tiny man.
17: Apparently,
21: she likes
1: tiny things. She talked about
8: it. Browse has how? gone I'm into this man. insert mode.
17: Eight. Compact.
8: Okay. Last but not least. How many people Hold think,
4: on. Oh, wait. Yeah.
1: Gotta wait
17: for those hands. Yeah, yeah.
4: I'm
1: OP
8: tired. Up. I've been all up set. since 4 o'clock this morning. Uh, all set. Okay. All right. So how many people think that she did not, how many people think it's a lie that she stayed in a tiny little house in the French Alps while in between
0: sessions oh. of the soccer? She stayed in a little house on the prairie.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks
21: like. Yeah, eight. you say Michael Landon in front. Eight, yeah. so. eight. Mm, well, Miguel. we had eight for the other as well.
22: Okay, Rose, oh my tell my us mom. all. Yeah, George was correct. Good job,
6: George. <laughs> yeah. George
8: did. knows you. However,
22: yeah. however, that did happen to my brother, my older brother. So, Ugh. yeah, um, I actually somehow did not break a bone. I mean uh, I don't yeah, count I never, dislocating. The bone
11: either. I've yeah,
22: I've like sorry. bone bruised and dislocated but never broken somehow. So But you're blind.
4: <laughs> I've
22: I've never broken a bone. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I've broken a
8: finger. Anyway, I want to thank every contestant and my four inquisitors for participating and our audience for being, for staying around and, and um, for the fun that we had tonight. And I, I mean, really, when we thought about, when I thought about this game, I thought, you know what, what a great way to find out things about our peers that have nothing to do with vision loss. And we did that. I mean, just think about all the things that we learned about people tonight And I know it'll all stay in my mind. So I think we really accomplished. We, we had fun. We learned really awesome things about our peers. And um, you'll all get a prize. It'll be mailed to you sometime after the conference. So thank you thank all. Thank you,
23: Marianne. And ask you. This was really fun. Before we go, we
11: have, go, thank we have you. some music to close with.
7: We, we do. And Marianne requested this. So just pay attention to the words. You ready?
20: All
18: men are liars And all men are liars
21: All men are liars All men are liars And that's the truth That's a lie right there no.
18: <laughs>
4: Mike, you Eight never ten lied, ten. to <laughs> you? Yes,
5: no No <laughs> do We start at 8.30, guys 8.30 Oh, we have a party.
8: we have an area code two one six ending in five four six with their hand raised. That's Cleveland, what can we do for you? You can go ahead and unmute.
6: Oh wait, here maybe
13: not. Okay, try now.
8: Two one six.
21: Hello, Cleveland, Asian Cleveland. 216 oh. unmute.
8: Is that Donna helping us out tonight?
1: Not just, no, okay. No. I am I didn't, yes, I, I I didn't just, get your name.
8: My name is Judy. Desi. No, no, my name is Desi and I'm from Phoenix, and I'm right. the one that was in Rose's CI so class. Much. Thank you so, oh. so much, Desi. And thank you, Rick, as always. You you guys are just awesome. What would we do? You guys are wonderful. And you're patient. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you're so patient. Thank you. <laughs> this was so well organized. Oh, thanks. Not, except for you know, jumping the gun there, but
16: but oh, anyway. Oh, that's
21: okay.
16: well. I'm going to sign so off
5: here that's and okay. go, night, to, uh, thanks, go to thanks. automation.
8: Thanks. Good Doug. Doug. night, everyone. I loved it. Thanks for your patience. You
11: Doug.
0: All. Good night, everybody.